0: Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence.
1: From Riverwalk Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Q, the cube, the Q, the Q, the Q. The Q, the Q. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 70, wow, of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer podcast. I am your host, Dan. And I'm Brendan.
2: Brendan, we have some fun menagerie of stuff to talk about. Yeah, a bit of a lighter episode. Not any books that have come out recently, nothing particularly on the horizon. So we're going to do a review of the preview show that was out on Saturday, and we're going to kind of enumerate and list out what our Age of Sigmar 3.0 hopes and dreams are. We're making the assumption that it's going to be coming out this year. We could be totally wrong, but we know at <laughs> some point we're going to be getting a third edition of the rule set. Sure. And we're going to list out, at least from where we sit right now, some things that we hope maybe change. And I know on our list there's a couple of things we'll be disagreeing quite a bit about. So <laughs> it's hopefully that's a fun listen on top of you know the regular bits and bobs of our show. So Yep.
1: And then the one thing during scriptorium I want to do is I have a prediction for everybody Ooh! is I think I know who the yellow king is and any of you who are lore people will know what I'm talking about but I think I have figured this out after reading about halfway through Pariah and a couple other books so I'm going to share that with you too so stay tuned and jump into the scriptorium if you're interested in that so Brendan we are going to jump on into whispers from the warp Yep.
0: hello my name is Inigo Montoya you killed my father. Prepare to die.
1: Okay. My hobby has been no hobby. Yeah. I've been pretty busy the last couple weeks with other things. And so I really haven't had any time to work on stuff. I'm definitely... Trying to get that second coach done, though. That's my project. I want to work. I'm probably going to work a little bits at a time. You know, some really slow, steady progression. Get different parts and pieces done. I'm still waiting for those two conversion bits that I showed you Mm -hmm. to replace my horses with, which are going to look awesome. And I did check with a couple of other people, including uh, The Domus. (laughs) And he was cool with it. You know, so if he's cool with it, that means I'm good for Meltdown, Adepticon, and whatever else. Sure. I'm definitely, once they get here, going to make that conversion. So that'll be fun to see. Uh, but that's really all the hobby I've been doing right
2: now. Yeah, cool. I mean, it happens, right? Yeah. I have been grinding away Ooh. at painting my Slaves of Darkness still. I just finished the last of the Guard for the list yesterday. Yes. Mm. So I have some basing to do. I'm waiting for a mini-stomp order to come in so I can finish out the rest <laughs> of the army. Sure. Uh, in the meantime, I started putting some paint on Archeon, Uh, Just because I'm right in the thick of this right now. like I know the scheme really well. All the colors and all that jazz. Just kind of chipping away at him. I finished his shield yesterday, Mm. so I'm putting some paint on him. I haven't fully decided on how I'm going to approach the mount and how I'm going to do the the colors on that. I've been very traditional in the color scheme so far uh, throughout. So, God, the mount is such a bear. So Uh, complex. It's just... I've just been looking at pictures of Archeons basically the last you know <laughs> day and a half or so, and it's just I don't know at the end. Uh, <laughs> I'll figure it out obviously, but you just keep it's looking at it. I just man. keep looking at it and going, yeah, I guess <laughs> one head at a time, maybe <laughs> one head at a time. I kind of started like with one of the wings. I think is okay. Is the you know I started like with the left wing arm and. I don't know. Well, I, I might just end up watching the Duncan video and just being like, I can't think for myself on this one. Well,
1: that model begs to me for dry brushing. You know, I mean, just the tones and the transitions and stuff that I would think on the wings and the body and, and the mount and stuff as I look at the different colors. I'm anxious to see what you come up with. So
2: I am too. As soon yeah. as I know, Dan, I will let you
1: know. <laughs> okay. I'm sure I'll see it. You've been very faithful in posting on Discord and stuff and yeah. keeping up with that. A lot of people. Man, it was kind of cool to see Heath jump in. Man, he is just like
2: out of nowhere. And it's just beautiful stuff, of Look, course. It's just been Bryce and I trying to... Resurrect the progress of it. I mean, because for gosh, the last six months it's just been me Mm -hmm. putting pictures in there. Yeah, and And Bryce
1: has been jumping some really nice stuff in there. Yeah, yeah.
2: him jumping in has kind of helped other people start to do some things, which is great. Which has been really nice. It's it's good to see kind of our hobby group coming back to life a little bit uh, in bursts. Cool, that's awesome. Yeah, so good stuff. Obviously, once I finish that list up, we'll see kind of what I jump into, and I think. It'll be dictated by some of the things we talk about here in just a minute.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: (laughs) Of course. Coolio, man. Uh So... So, Curse City Curse City has AOS rules and we saw some of them, but yeah. we, we knew they had rules because we saw yes. that there was a War Scroll pack, but it, it was cool to see what some of these rules yes. are.
1: Mm-hmm. And I like it because it's not overwhelming. It's not like they're super powerful or anything, but they'll be fun to put in. There'll mm-hmm. be a fun little set piece to add to an army to give it some flavor and stuff. I don't
2: know. That Witch Hunter gun is pretty uh, good. Yeah, it is. For those of you that uh. don't know, the Witch Hunter gun, effectively, if it hits, you roll a dice... And if that D6 is at least double the number of wounds of, you know, the model that you're shooting at, it dies outright. Mm -hmm. So the most you can kill is a three wound model, just Mm. outright. In any other instance, it's just a straight mortal wound. Pretty good. Yeah, that's not bad. Pretty okay. Yeah. All right. Kill Uh, some Stormcast. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Sure, sure, sure. Cool. The Gravekeeper can summon zombies and <clears throat> yeah. dump wounds off to zombies, and the Smash Bat is a 3D6 charge and Which can charge cool, from 18 yo. inches away. It, that's just great. It's awesome. You know, Obviously, a lot of it is contingent on points and the rest of the profiles, but sure. it's cool to see that they chose to showcase how that model is really supposed to feel. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, we'll see Curse City... Within the next month or so, we're hoping. I don't, yeah, yeah it's, April, May, you know, before the fiscal year hopefully is over. I don't see any way that it's not. They previewed yeah. the whole thing. They're previewing rules, they're previewing the rest yeah. of the heroes of those units. It has to be soon. It just does.
1: We can only hope, which is what we've been doing for a while now <laughs> since it first came out. The king of wishful thinking. For sure. Uh, moving then over to 40K, we have Warzone Cheridon, which is. Nurgle invades a Mechanicus planet, and one of the things that they've introduced is something called Armies of Renown, and I'm concerned about this, because basically what they have done is they have resurrected Formations. All I know is I have really horrible memories of the way Formations just distorted 40k. It was really, really troubling.
2: I remember the parking lot.
1: Yes, and it's like, okay... I'll take this, and there's no cost to those things. There is no cost, or there wasn't any cost back then. I'm sure. Other than you, you put some units in here, and it just devastates and overwhelms everything else. And I'm hoping that it doesn't go down that dark path, but we'll see. There's one army renowned for Nurgle. There's one for Admech, which makes sense since that's what the war zone is. So that book is out, and it is a book. It's kind of like a psychic awakening type of a thing with themed you know, stories and all that stuff. And then the other thing we have, the Drukari Codex is out. Awesome. For those folks, we are not going to review it. There's plenty of stuff online if you're into the Dark Eldar stuff. There's a combat patrol box that looks really nice. There's two transports and a bazillion figs. Like a really good, good number of models in there. So that seems pretty nice. We have Pain and Piety, which is another box set, which is Sisters versus Drukhari. Great. So if you're into Sisters, you got some more stuff to pad your list with. So that is all really, really good stuff. We have the Plague Purge mission pack. And each one of these things is getting a mission pack. So you can add to that narrative crusade part of the game if you want to do that. It gives you more options. We have the Seraphon. Darkhasm Warband, which came out very cool, very good looking.
2: Yeah, and the rules for the Warband are also kind of good. Staying consistent with what we've seen so far from the Warbands this season is that they seem to be pretty okay. Yeah, much different than what we're used to, for sure. Yeah, the Soros model is actually a a hero. Yes. Which which I was not expecting (laughs) It's really neat. At all, especially when you have a priest as one of the other models in there. Yeah. And, but maybe the Seraphon one is going to be more telling on when we talk about one of the other war bands that we're yeah. going to see in, in and we're going to talk about in just a couple minutes. Yeah. So, and then the last thing we have
1: is the Blood Bowl Halfling stuff. Cool. 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 Whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. nice. You know, if you're into Blood Bowl, there's just some more options and stuff. And they're fun. It just, they look fun. I'm sure they play very interestingly. They they're are, a but...
2: very tough team to play. Okay. 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 Yeah, but
1: seems like they they'd be fun to play at least. Yes. If nothing else, so that's the new stuffs games played. How about you? Anything?
2: Yeah, I did a teaching game yesterday. Nice. For one of my original wargaming buddies. Nice. I had picked up the limited edition Death Guard AOS Heroes pack. (laughs) Cool. And he's primarily been painting since we went to college for the most part. You know, he's kept an eye on things, obviously, because, you know, he wants to grab models to paint. And, you know, he plays some 40K here and there, but he's not like a real grinder or anything. So he came by my house yesterday and he's like, hey, since I'm up here, like, you know, can you teach me how to play Age of Sigmar? I said, yeah, no problem. Oh, cool. I nice. threw together a couple thousand point lists for him. And I just said, you know, pick whichever one you think looks cool. He grabbed the Flesh Eater Quartz one that I grabbed for him <laughs> Good. and I balanced them in a way where. Everything was going to do something, and to make sure that between, you know, whatever list he chose and, and whatever one I was going to take, I was going to be able to show off kind of all the mechanics. Well, to make a long story short, he turbo-powered the Terrorgeist with the Arch Regent. It was an, an unridden Terrorgeist. Okay. And over the course of the four battle rounds that we played, because he tabled me after four. Oh wow. Cool. The Terrorgeist popped off 12 sixes, right? And sixes <laughs> are six mortal wounds. Yeah. And he chewed through... All of my Chaos Warriors, my Demon Prince, all of, like, like almost all of my knights. Mm. Just the Terror Guys, like, by itself. And at the end of the game, he looks up and he goes, I like how quick this game plays. <laughs> uh, <laughs> of course you do. Yeah, well, but, like, when I asked him, you know, like, what he meant off of I was mm-hmm. like, "Hey, like you're one model, basically, you know, did yeah. the whole work here." He goes, "No, he goes like, there's not like all these like layers of rerolls, and oh. he was like, I don't have to do a ton of math. You know, like there were things that handed out some minuses here and there. He's like, but I don't have to like do the strength toughness table, like, and I know it's a lot easier now than it's ever oh, been." Yes. He goes, it just plays so fast. Mm-hmm. He's like, I really like this. He goes, oh, great. And, and so That's I was. Great. Oh, it gets even better, Dan. Oh, okay. I was talking to him and because like I had kind of known that he was interested in, in LRL and I was like, hey man, like I got some LRL that I picked up pretty inexpensively. I don't know when I'm going to get to this as a project. I said, I'll just sell it to you what I bought it for. Mm. He goes, all right, let's take a look at it and you know, went through and I pulled the the costing that I paid for it and he goes, "Done. Sold. I'll take it." Wow. Uh, nice. So, you know, he picked up the LRL project I had just been just kind of building at this point. Sure. So,
1: just for listeners, clarify what LRL is. Uh Lumina
2: Realm Lord. Okay, good. Okay. We'll be doing yep. the second version of the Battle Tome here in a couple weeks. Yes. Yeah, we'll talk about that, why that is. Yeah. Mm. We'll have some decisions to make on how we choose to cover it, yeah, but yes. Absolutely. One of my original Warhammer friends, him and I have been playing Warhammer together since we were 11, 12 years old, something like that. So sure. That's wonderful. It's been a short lifetime. I'm really looking forward to him getting back into it, privately for myself, because growing up he was a better player than I was. <laughs> And I would love for him Uh, to come uh, to tournaments, uh, uh, because I want to see if he still has that uh, particular talent. Well, he started off pretty well, that's for sure. (laughs) When I I told him, I said, I would much rather him win the game that way than me winning the game in the same way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because at least if I did this to you, it would have been like okay cool my models are gone like but you know for me it's just like i'm sitting there and i go this is my own model and my own dice like doing this to me like i don't know what i've done wrong here that was real good outside of that i've been slowly picking away at assassin's creed valhalla mm-hmm. like you know just playing it. do you like it i don't know if it's not what i expected or like there's something in my brain that like hasn't totally clicked at like i'm not even out of the tutorial area right now okay Brand. like i really have not been playing that much sure I have mostly been using this new Xbox as like a streaming device, okay. which is a very expensive <laughs> streaming device, Wow! but it's been great in my hobby room. Sure. Like, I just flip through, you know, Netflix and HBO and my TV subscription. Yes, yeah. I still have cable. I'm probably the only person my age who has cable. Uh, or my age. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. you know, or, or like YouTube or just or Twitch or everything. Like sure. it's been really cool That's for really, that. That but, is cool. You know, I've primarily just been in a painting mode right now, so it's been okay. I don't fully understand, one, what's going on in the game or why we're doing the things that we are Okay. or like what everything means. So it's also a lot less stealthy than I thought it was going to (laughs) be. And maybe I'm just doing it wrong, which is totally possible in stealth games. I'm not good at them. But like the game doesn't seem to punish me for just like running in axes blazing and just you know doing some well-timed dodge moves like it's okay i don't know it something seems not totally right so that's been my games played
1: wonderful yeah for me i've really just taken the time to play command and conquer tiberian wars which was really the first of the gdi versus kane did you ever play command and conquer generals oh i love that game that you can't even find it anymore Literally. What? You can't. I have looked for it. It had Chinese, it, it had, had it American, had the USA. and it had the
2: like ISIS they, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then Red Alert, you got to play as the British, I think, mm-hmm. is one of them. And you got like those super powered, like mega weapon generals. The one and- thing
1: I love with generals was that you could pick, like, which general you wanted to be mm-hmm. and then play against a random collection of enemy generals. And I loved that. That was so cool. And each one of them had their own personality and the way they did it and just the interaction. Like, when they would respond to something you did, they'd make these really insulting comments and things like that. You're like, Okay, I'll show you. It was fun. Oh, You're right. The, the campaign
2: was a, for that game was, oh, was amazing. So awesome. It was. What was your favorite general to play as? I think
1: the laser general.
2: I Ooh, liked him the was best. A good one, yeah. He was a
1: good one. Just because the defenses were really important, there were some scenarios where if you didn't set up defenses right away, you were done. Yeah. You were just done. Because I remember there was the one where the ISIS guys had, like, this chemical bomb they would drop. And if you didn't have your defenses oh, set up launchers. and stuff, yeah. they would, like chemical weapon your base and it was it was really bad mm-hmm. that was my favorite guy i remember that plus the the vehicles and stuff you could have and all that but yeah he was my guy what a great game it was you're right and i just
2: have not been able to find it it's not on steam which is weird that hurts so I, I would burn so many hours getting you know playing command and conquer generals again oh, that, I have that such was, fond memories if i that could game. find it i would play it
1: but i do love tiberium wars again just because and i've said it before the the cinematic you know piece that goes with it you've got these really famous actors that are in it and you really feel like you're interacting with the game mm. that you're really part of the game and just the story is cool and anyway so that's what i've been doing for games but other than that nothing really finally events meltdown is going to be postponed till 2022 yep we've got the word from domus so that's done and we're moving on anything else that you've heard about
2: yeah, so Siege World announced mm-hmm. their weekend. It's the same as NashCon, so unfortunately, uh, we won't know, be going to that. Right. That. We already have our tickets bought to yes, you know to NashCon, so well, it is unfortunate. Yeah, that is it has been unfortunate. Nova got canceled. Okay. Kind of uh, not particularly surprising in that regards. Yeah. I still have the dates for Bruce City Brawl locked away, but I don't know what. My limits are going to be on the that. The fall is a long time from now, so we'll see. It might even be something where two months out, I'm making the sign-up <laughs> announcement. <laughs> which wouldn't be something we're not used to now. <laughs> We've been through that. So before. Okay. Goodness, past that, I don't think there's anything. The stuff in the fall has kind of all announced their dates. and mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, which is great. Yeah, so... And I know I was just listening to Plan and Slaying and Bryce sounds like he's planning for... Ragnarok. I would hope so. Yeah. It's in January. Yeah, of but it, it was just nice to hear somebody say it and, and hear him in particular say, yeah, it's 11 months out. We need to get started working. It's like, oh, great. Good stuff.
2: Yeah, especially for him. There's a lot of disappointment, right? You know, because I think even the most conservative minded of us, you know, would have assumed that hopefully by January of 2021, oh, sure. we, we would have been able to get back to events. So <clears> this will <throat> be two years between. Mm-hmm. When he was handed kind of control of that event to when he's actually going to be able to to do it, and it's this cycle up and cycle down of you know hope and anticipation and yeah, emotionally it's a big it's roller coaster sure. it's a lot yeah, so that was exciting to hear
1: that's on all right, I think that's it for whispers I think so yeah let us move on to emperor lies.
0: I mean, what are we? A team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're we're a time bomb.
1: Okay. So Brendan, we are gonna start with a preview review. Brendan, my dream come true, buddy. <laughs> Yesterday was an amazing day for Dan.
2: Very exciting. And, and of course
1: a lot of people, but Soulblight, Gravelords, Vampires are here, Models are new. It is going to be an entirely new book with entirely new models. Just a total reset on Vampire Lords. And I am so, so thrilled at that. And, by the way, Cindy and I had this discussion last night. I'm starting to save money now. <laughs> she does not want that to hit like a, a boulder when it's like, What did you just buy? How much did you spend? Oh, I got all the look at this big stack of cash. I'm ready.
2: <laughs> but no, nah, it's so so you know, exciting. It, it's a good thing Cindy's not here right now. Because you know, Dan, I've not been in your hobby room recently. Back of my head though, I'm thinking, you have a night haunt army.
1: Oh, Beautifully
2: painted and yep. ready to go. Yep, 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 that's done. You have Space Wolves that you're working on. Yes. So that's two. You have a mm-hmm. two army limit in this house. Yes, that's true. You also have a Blades of Corn Beasts of Chaos army. I have models painted and, or primed, built and primed, yes. Mm-hmm. Right, so that's more than two. That's, yeah, that's you two have, and a half. You <laughs> have an Ogre Maw Tribe's mm-hmm. Boulderhead army.
1: Yeah, and that's three then, because that's another half,
2: because that's built and primed. Yes, yes. sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's still more than two. <laughs> two, and you're speaking to a a fifth instance, whether you want to count that as three and a half or four is really up to you. No. Uh, the, the problem here is, though, is that all of those numbers, no matter which way you look at it... Are more than two. ...is a value larger than two. Not equal to two, <laughs> greater than two. You're right. Uh god well i, <laughs> no, I just do
1: i need that. to start charging you rent in my house <laughs> no i have everything well organized compact packed away but in all of <laughs> i'm gonna start rationalizing here okay so i guess what i need to do is have the conversation two on the table ready armies okay okay so we have night haunt yes and we're gonna have soul blight okay okay All right, so now that that's settled, (laughs) Brenton, you're right. You're absolutely right, man. Good call out. Oh, man. Yeah, you're
2: out of control. (laughs) Let's talk about the models a little bit. So, skellies or dead walkers? What do you think? I think both are great. Picking between the two, I'm almost always going to take skeletons. I I think skeletons are a more interesting aesthetic than zombies in many cases. Mm -hmm. The thing that's really nice about the skeletons is rewinding here for a second. If you want to hear some other extended, not PG thoughts on Preview Show, but only the Age of Sigmar side, that is on Mr. Mephisto's rant cast. You can check mm-hmm. him out on Twitch, on YouTube, and on the Podbean. So you can go listen to that. Here, also, we will talk about this again in a censored version, right? Safe for work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the skeletons have this cool aesthetic where... In this instance now, they are armored, they have cloth, they have rags, they have kind of less dissolved weapons. And something that Mephisto talked about, which was... You can still play all these things next to each other and you have like this generational unit of skeletons, right? Yes. Like You can you can use your metal ones. You can use your old plastic ones. You can use these. You can grab the ones from Cursed City and toss them all in and here's a unit of skeletons. Visually, they'll be interesting. Cool. Cool, awesome, great, fantastic. I love them. And the zombies, I would have greatly preferred... Mm -hmm. These zombies Mm -hmm. have been the ones that were previewed in Cursed City. Of course. Because I don't think they look stupid. Yeah. If you go back a couple episodes, I said, and I continue to say, that the zombies with the gravestones on their back are dumb.
1: Okay, now, Brendan, I have a conversion idea for them. That I wanted to share with you. Okay. So I thought it would be cool if you take some kind of I can't think of what the specialty product is that Games Workshop have. It's like sterling Black or something. It's like this yeah. dirt kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a thick sandy <clears throat> paint. Okay. So I was thinking, cut one of those models off at the at the waist or mm-hmm. even above the waist. Have a pile of that stuff on the base and just stick it into the base and have them clawing out. Yeah, crawling out of the dirt. Yeah. I thought now that might make it look a little different. I think it would look cooler personally so i'm thinking i'm going to end up doing that with those anything that's got something on their back like that like the regular dead walkers same thing
2: Mm -hmm. but i thought that'd be kind of neat yeah and if anybody wants to complain about modeling for advantage you you offer them look you know we'll do true line of sight with you know if you have questions and if you can see that model or not i have other ones that are the right height i'll just stick it next to that guy and if you can see him then cool great Yeah. yeah It's about being reasonable. Yeah, the, sure it is. You're doing a cool thing. If your whole unit was like that, I'd be like, mm, mm. "What are we doing here, buddy?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that'll work. I think that'll be great. Other thing that we saw, fell bats. Oh, So awesome. Oh man, visually it brings them in line with the giant smash bat yes. that uh, that we saw in Curse City. They have these really cool, you know, like membrane wings that mm-hmm. give them this really sleek profile and they're moving, they're flying on things, you know, they're holding on to pieces of terrain. They're very dynamic. Hopefully, you know, you'll be able to do a little bit of work with them, you know, outside of just the three that way. Otherwise they might look a little plain, a little bit boring in in volume. Sure. So those are pretty neat. You know, we saw some models that we had seen before, right? You know, we had seen the the named vampire lord. We had mm-hmm. seen the potato camera vampire lord. <laughs> of course, we got to see the you know the new white king again, and then Dan. Oh, I know what you're gonna say. We saw the battle tome cover. Yes, uh. <laughs> but <laughs> no, no. The next thing. The next the thing. The next thing. Oh, the next thing. Plastic blood dragons. <laughs> man,
1: is amazing. So cool. Blood knights, man. They were just. Oh god. I said yesterday. I can't wait to put metallics on that armor. Whatever color, I decide. Mm-hmm. But I want to put metallics on that armor there just to make them look so cool.
2: Obviously, we'll see on what the rules end up being. Sure. The thing that's important here, right, for context, is that Blood Knights in Warhammer Fantasy Battle were arguably the single most feared unit in mm-hmm. the game. A unit of five of them could ruin your army. There were some instances where all 2,250 points that you took looked at that and went, I can do nothing about this. Mm-hmm. And that was that. And that was the game. I personally don't want them to be that powerful, mm-hmm. but there's no reason that they shouldn't be terrifying on the tabletop. There's no reason they shouldn't do something that's very cool and very excellent. You know, what? if there's a high price point to pay, but they do something that's just bonkers, man, okay, cool. Pay it. Like yep. we have seen this with other units that are very expensive. They do something awesome, and you go, "Cool!" I felt like I got value out of mm-hmm. taking that. Heck, Archeon's basically nine hundred points, and you know what? He feels like a nine hundred point character. Sure, he does nine hundred point character things. Or your six Varengard, right? Yeah. I mean that's that's expensive. I'm but paying six hundred points for them. but they do. They, si- they easily do six hundred points worth of work. Yeah. <laughs> Now, granted, I'm you know I'm pumping a couple hundred more points worth. I of, get it. But when they are on the table doing that thing, it feels like it. And again, I said this yesterday. I
1: want to make sure that they're resilient. I don't want them to be paper I, tigers. Yeah, I don't. I see, just don't.
2: Looking at them, I don't see any way that they're not a three up save. Yeah, they have to be, and
1: and have whatever. We'll, we'll see. Mm-hmm. But they have to be resilient, or else or that, they're that be would fast, be a disappointment, right? For and, sure. Oh yeah. yeah, it's very exciting though. Very exciting stuff.
2: We know definitively that mm. this is not the last of the models that we're going to see for this. Mm-mm. We saw a Dire Wolf on the Battle Tome cover. Mm-hmm. So we might be getting new Dire Wolves. I would kind of expect us to be getting new Dire Wolves. Oh, man, I can't tell you when those Dire Wolves are from. <laughs> <laughs> they're, not, they're not metal. They're, they're not metal, so they're not from the 90s. But they're old. They are really old. Those are some old models. And I think we're gonna be as we're gonna be getting some kind of new vampire lord on zombie dragon or regular dragon. Sure looked like it. Right. Because that's in the back corner of the cover. And the thing that we definitely saw with Slanesh was you saw Glutos' palanquin in the cover of the Hedonites Mm -hmm. book, and it looked, you know, very similar to that. And that zombie dragon did not look like the zombie dragon I have on my shelf. No. So, <laughs> okay. I don't think that's unreasonable to expect or think there's something that we're going to be getting there. So,
1: Gravelords, super exciting stuff. The next thing we saw was Kragnor, Mortal I thought That was Kragnos. Kragnos? Was yeah. it Kragnos? Okay. We don't know. It's a mystery. And it's good that it's a mystery because then we can just guess all we want and <laughs> whatever we want to think it can be and predict. And it's really fun just to talk about all the possibilities, which is
2: great. It could be anything at this point. Mm-hmm. They I rewatched the video this morning to kind of remind myself of, mm-hmm. of what occurred in that. Basically, one listener, go watch it and then come back to the show. Yeah. Okay. Now yep. that you've watched it, welcome back. The thing that you see there is you see a centaur character of some variety standing looking over a ruined civilization it says you know he was buried under the mountain and he awoke and his civilization and his people are gone and you know there's going to be hell to pay so there's a couple of things you know that we think this could be right we mm-hmm. think this could be Kernathi. Mm-hmm. we think that this could be beasts of chaos mef tossed out that this could be chaos dwarves mm-hmm I tossed out that this could be the introduction of God Beasts into Age of Sigmar, and I saw that Vince had suggested that on his review show and listening to it. I'm all in on this take. I am chips to the middle on this is a God Beast or you know, some other form of extremely powerful character sure. in Age of Sigmar that the rest of the pantheon of this game are going to have to deal with in some mm-hmm. way, shape, or form. You know, because there's nothing more powerful than ancient powers, right? You know, yeah. Things that existed before time are, in all sorts of mythologies, the things that are to be feared mm. and concerned with the most. Sure, I'm hoping that this is a gig- single gigantic thousand-point model on <laughs> a dinner plate like in line with the corn dragon. And he just yeah. smashes everything left, right, and center. He doesn't care about objectives. He controls them all no matter what.
1: As long as he's on the board, he's he controls He's 60 them.
2: wounds, right? Like if, if he's in scoring range, he controls the objective. It doesn't matter. He's ma- like a reaver titan. That's just same thing. Yeah, like, he, like he'll have like a seven-inch reach on some of his melee weapons. Like like he'll be in combat with you, but you won't be in combat with him kind of right, stuff. Right, That's just. Funny. Go all the way to the edge. This is the super heavy classification sure. of Warhammer. Like, make the Mega Gargants look kind of silly and funny. Sure.
1: There we go. So
2: that's Kragnos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll see what we see. Uh, the next thing
1: up was we found out that teclas is a week from yesterday. Going to be pre-order. Yeah. Which is exciting. It's nice to know he's here. And we're going to find out what's in the book and all those kind of things.
2: Yeah, we'll see what comes out alongside it, right? Mm -hmm. You know, will all of the Windy things come out for Mm pre-order? Will Broken Realms Techless and the Lumineth Realm Lords Part 2 come out at the same time? Sure. We'll have to decide how we go through that because we're not going to review things twice necessarily. (laughs) But yeah, we have a date on something. Which is nice.
1: Very good. And then we have the OBR Diarchasm Warband, and that leader guy is freaking huge. Mere
2: Kynan's (laughs) Reapers. He's a beast. He's the size Uh, of a stalker. Yes. He is a hero the size of a stalker. He is a soul reaper, stalker-sized, with an axe. Which is also the size of, of a stalker. The thing is huge, too. It's really cool to see them exploring visual spaces that, you know, can be kind of loosely defined in the Dire Chasm, you yeah. know, the Underworld's scope, right? True. Okay, like, it doesn't make sense to do this in the regular army release, but, like, we had a sculptor make this cool idea and we think it'll work. Mm-hmm. Here you go. It goes in a $35 box kit, and, you know, if people don't want to run him as a hero... They'll run him as a really cool stalker. They'll run him as a cool Immortus Guard. Yeah. I could see someone doing conversion work and making this their Catacross. Absolutely. Okay. It All works. right. It works. Neat. Awesome. Cool. The whole unit is really cool. All uh, of the Mortec Guard have really great character to them. You have a Mortec Archer. Uh, you- Shh. Sh- just stop. Just stop. Because we, talk- we don't want
1: to talk about the fact that OBR might get another shooting unit. We don't want to
2: discuss this. Oh, yes. To complement their one shooting unit. It's terrible, Dan. It just sounds awful. That army with all of those shooting weapons. Oh, my goodness. What will we do about the shooting terror that is Osiarch Bone Reapers, Dan? A catapult with no wrench. Uh, yeah, I know. Anyway. And then the Hecatos is really cool. Yes. The unit champion. Yes, he is. Very nice.
1: All right. Awesome war band.
2: And then the part of the show where I walked away and started painting. (laughs) So, yeah, there's 40K Necromunda
1: stuff. We had Necromunda House of Faith, which is House Kaldor. These are the fanatics. These Mm. are the religious fanatics. I think the models would make great chaos cultists. I think if you put 10 of them in there somewhere, you could just do amazing things with these guys. I think they would even, if you could somehow convert them you could use them for priests in aos if you can convert the weapons the models are just bonkers cool they are really nice it's chainsaws and flamethrowers smashed together again this is the fifth house that we've gotten the fifth different faction in necromunda the last one was van and now we have house caldor gets their own book which is really cool in addition necromunda is getting a new starter box called Hive Wars and this time it is the Escher gang which is the girls with knives and Delac, which are the kind of undercover intrigue spy kind of guys so they're going to be the other faction that's going to be in the box it looks really nice if you're starting Necromunda it looks like a great way to do it there's actually really nice 3d terrain that's in their zone mortalis type terrain so it isn't like you're putting you know the a cardboard piece on the box and pretending that it has three dimensions, it has height, it's actually there. So overall, looks like a great box to get started in Necromundae, if you wish to do so. Then, of course, I sold my AdMech army to stay at my two limit, which is gone now anyway. Oh, anyway, let's just let go there.
2: So AdMech is getting a codex, which is great. You'll have to forgive me here. Yes, yeah, sir. I feel like AdMech have gotten 15 codexes. <laughs> In the last five years. Okay. As an Abmech player, the
1: last Codex came out. That was what my army was built off of. Okay. Even Belisarius Call was in there, which was cool. I had his model built and painted. But since then, they have fixed a lot of things. They have fixed the major complaint that I always had about Atmec, which is transports now. So they're going to incorporate transports. They have cavalry units. They have flying units. They have all kinds of other stuff they've added that are going to be incorporated into this now. So they're going to get those model lines into the book. And so that needed to happen. Mm -hmm. I'm excited for ADMEC because if I was still an ADMEC player, you could literally have a flying, running army. You could have all stuff. You don't even need ground troops because they've got guys that fly. You could have uh, the walkers, the balistari guys. You could have the cav. You could have the crawlers, all that kind of stuff, transports. Go. Like, go to the other side of the table and wreak havoc with your rad weapons. So that's really exciting. And they had a really cool model they showcased, which was a Skatari Marshal. Now, I'm assuming he will just be a guy who buffs Skatari, which is awesome. That's good. But he reminded me of two books that were written about Admech. And the first one was, believe it or not, called Skatari. <laughs> But the main character was called Haldron 44 Stryka. And he was a Skitari kind of group leader, whatever it was. And so that was like, man, if I was playing Admech, this would be my Haldron 44 guy. It is so cool. It looks like I pictured him when I was listening to the book for the first time. That is very, very cool stuff for AdMec players. Then we have some nunnery gunnery.
2: <laughs> the, the sisters get a legitimate battle tank. So I saw this, and I texted one of the group chats that is primarily Age of Sigmar, and I said, oh, look, they said, what if we took a, be- a predator tank and made it a church? <laughs> and... It's kind of what it is, yes. It's
1: called the Castigator, and yeah, it has all these little kind of alcoves with little saints in it, you know, little saint statues and stuff, and it's pretty wreck havoc. I mean, it's got three heavy bolters. It looked like there was like a gigantic hunter-killer missile on the back. I don't know what that's going to be. The turret reminded me like of an Abrams, where the turret is like three-quarters of the size of the hull, right? The turret was huge on this thing. Of course, it's got a Storm Bolter on top. But it's nice because Sisters really, except for the Exorcist, which wasn't really heavy support, now they have heavy support. You put a couple of these on the battlefield and you are rocking at reasonable range. You know, 36 inches, 48 inches, whatever it is. 72 inches if mm. it's a battle cannon.
2: It looked like a battle cannon. Yeah. That was
1: my... <laughs> yeah. Now they have some long-range... Heavy support, and that's what they did need. So I'm happy for them. That's great. One more cool thing in their arsenal, and then the last thing was awesome. Cool mm-hmm. is 40k orc beast snagas. Now these guys, it seems from the description, are the equivalent of our orcs who are the gorgantas th- These guys seem like that's what their thing is to kill big stuff they were even talking about these guys leave would try to kill titans you know that kind of stuff the whole theme of it is very orky and then of course they had the orc on a squig hog which was cool grot kind of hanging on and just the coolest model ever it was so neat for orcs so orc
2: cavalry I think that this model is going to find its way into Age of Sigmar via a lot of conversions.
1: Absolutely. And it would be a beautiful model to have. It
2: would be so cool. I think that is it for the preview review. What was what was your favorite thing that wasn't Soulblight Grave Lords? <laughs> Probably
1: the AdMech stuff, because I was an AdMech player, so I have a lot of personal connection to that Mm -hmm. and just seeing the book, knowing that those other units are going to be
2: incorporated and available to ad mech players was very cool for me. How about you? Actually, I'm going to go with Kragnos. Okay. As excited as I was for Soulblight Gravelords, as excited as I was for Dire Chasm, Mm -hmm. there is something about the introduction of a total unknown into the Age of Sigmar Mm. universe that I think is really important for a couple of reasons. Okay. Number one being... I really like the Broken Realms idea. It is this kind of like stimulus input of a particular narrative to move the story forward at a moment in time, but also being used from a gaming perspective to introduce something that maybe doesn't make a ton of sense, you know, right now. Like they have probably all these other city ideas for Cities of Sigmar. Well, as part of the lore, you know, Marathi is going to be moving through Anvil Guard. In Guard Falls, and we have these these rules for it, and you know we want to do that. Cool. Well, we've got this model that we made, and we're not going to be doing this book for you know three years. Like we got to sell this model. Like <laughs> sure. how can we incorporate you know these things into it? Part of me really hopes that Broken Realms moves past AOS 3.0, and you know maybe it's wow. not called Broken Realms specifically. Maybe it retains that, but you use this as the opportunity to. To, one, move the story forward, and two, input some things that you know maybe aren't fully fleshed out battle tomes yet, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what if this is Karnathi, but you don't have enough to justify their own book? Sure. You can play them, you know, but it's two heroes and two unit kits, but, you know, here's some allegiance abilities, here's some rules for them. Mm. If you want to play a whole army out of them, go nuts. There you go. Fantastic. Sure. If this is a god beast, are you really going to release a battle tome for right. one model? Right. Like, you release this, you move the story forward, you have the rules for that, and then, you know, also the armies that come across it, right? You know, maybe the Night are there, and this is where your torturer comes in, mm-hmm. and, you know, then you have some, like, yeah. special sub-faction rules for special armies, you know, armies of renown that are coming through that area. There you go. Cool. More ways to play your game. Uh, it satisfies everybody. And, you know, the introduction of somebody that doesn't exist in the lore right now. Right. Yeah, that's it, exciting. That's unlimited potential. Mm-hmm. It could be anything. It mm-hmm. could be a boat, right? Like yeah, that's, of, course. Uh, of course. So I think that's the most exciting just because of... I the think, mystery. Yeah, just, just what it all means. <laughs> sure. So that's uh, Very cool. my pick. Yeah, we'll
1: talk about Mortal Realms later at some point. Because I really think to, you, to what you've talked about just now, that it serves as a bridge between things we're anticipating. You know, we know we're going to get this book, but it's going to be six months. Well, this is a great way to bridge that gap and keep people satisfied and interested and keep things fresh between those known points mm. of movement that you talked about.
2: Now, the one thing I don't want them doing with this is using it as kind of like the quick money grab. Mm-hmm. Kind of what we're seeing with the Lumineth Part 1 and Part 2, right? Yeah. Where... If this, for instance, had been Lumineth 1 came out, six months later, Broken Realms Techlist came out, six months later, Broken Realms, or L- Lumineth Part 2 can can't comes out, I am not on board with that. I'm fine if this is serving as a bridge to something that is kind of a ways away. Okay. Yeah. That, that this isn't just the whole line, and then in a year, you know, you're going to get the exact same book of those two books pushed together, no, that's and, not and right. the words get updated. That's not right. I'm not here for that. I think Marathi was fine. Because it was supposed to be released quite a bit before mm-hmm. the new Daughters of Cain book was supposed to come out. Right. And it served as an opportunity to kind of give you a preview into that. I'm good with that. Because fundamentally, when the Daughters of Cain book part two came out, there were real changes, which we talked about, between what the original Daughters of Cain book was, plus the inclusion of you know Broken Realms Marathi. And the second daughter's book was its own thing. Sure. Broken Realms Teclis, as they have said, is basically just Lumineth Part One with Broken Realms Teclis added on, is the new Lumineth Battle Tome. Mm-hmm. I don't like that at all. Mm-hmm. But we have beaten that horse to death in a different <laughs> yes, show.
1: Fair enough. So let's move on and we'll take a quick break and come back with our thoughts on Sigmar 3.0.
0: Here's to five miserable months on the wagon and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me.
1: All right. We are are back with Sigmar 3.0 prognostications and thoughts and things like that. We're just going to go through a little bit at a time, kind of a list that we put together between the two of us of things that we are hoping for or that we think may happen based on what we've seen in other places you know like in 40k a lot of things roll over between the two systems, so who knows what's going to happen. So the first one I want to talk about is secondaries. And I think that we should have points for secondaries, not just tiebreakers. And the reason I think that's important is that you work hard to win the game. Mm-hmm. And I have seen a lot of games that have been won by one or two points. You've played games that have been won and really, really close. Yes, And if there's a way to make it so that you can be rewarded for those secondaries, and some of them are difficult to get. It's not like they're automatic. You have to work and you have to really think about what you're going to do with your army in order to achieve those secondaries. And I think you should be rewarded for doing that.
2: In-game. In-game. And it's only a point. A point per. Right. Uh, But in tournaments, that's three points.
1: Right. And so that could add up, but it could also mean a loss to a win. But I think then... They are significant, and I think they should be significant because of how hard you have to work for them and that if you're trying to win your primary objective, if you're trying to win the game on primaries, then going for those secondaries is extra work. It's extra effort. You know, it's kind of like, well, I can do my job, but I can do my job Really, really well, and get a bonus this year. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like, to me, it's that kind of mechanic.
2: And I think it's important to do that. So, my question here in this is because I'm not going to stand opposed to this immediately. Mm -hmm. How do you then grade out the difference between major, minor, and draw? I think they could have a secondary function. You
1: still use them as tiebreakers if you need to, but they're going to affect the overall outcome first. And then if you need to use them as a tiebreaker, then you can do that like is built into the system now. Oh, I don't like that at all. Yeah.
2: I think that's too complicated. My concern here is they are now serving two functions, right? Okay. They're trying to win the game, and they also are this other purpose... To be the tiebreaker, and how are they winning the game now? You just
1: added them oh, oh, as, right. as a point each, right? Okay, you're
2: talking with my right. scenario. Yes. Okay,
1: we Not are the way they are now.
2: Yes, we are attacking the theoretical idea. here. Okay, gotcha. Not the present state of being in the proposed solution. You know, my concern is you and I are playing our game. We have basically collectively done the same thing. I've scored more of the main game than you, mm-hmm. sure. And you know, you have through your secondaries brought it ahead, and you maybe did two secondaries and I got one. Mm-hmm. We tied on the same score. Why am I being penalized for having won the main objective and then it goes into tiebreakers, even though we had the same score with with your same solution? Right. I did the main thing better than you did. You mm-hmm. did the secondaries better than I did. Mm-hmm. Why do you get to win the game? Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. I can see your point. And my point would be I think I worked... Now,
1: you're going to say you didn't work as hard because you didn't get the objective. Yeah, you didn't do the main. But I did that, and
2: I did something else, and, and I should be rewarded for it. And that. you should be rewarded for that in some way, shape, or form. Yes. I just don't think that you should win the game because, because of that. if Because if it, all it is is a tiebreaker,
1: then I have to have exactly the same score. I mean, how that doesn't happen very often. It does happen, but not very often. So I'm working for those secondaries, I'm trying for those secondaries, and most of the time, I'm going to get nothing for it. Mm-hmm. Literally. I, I could achieve th- all three of them, and I'm not going to see any benefit because I lost by two points. Well, wait a minute. Wow. I put a lot of effort into getting those, and well, it means nothing.
2: Because they are the tiebreaker right now. Right. That's that's what they are. They're the things that but decide. But that's only if the, the points, points are the, the same. score is exactly the same, which doesn't happen very often. I think it happens more than you think it does. Okay. and I just don't see it happening and, very often. Well, because you play me all the time. Yeah, of course, uh, <laughs> that's true. But when you think about what some of these, and you know, we haven't had the opportunity in a lot of cases to play a lot of these missions. What you see occur uh, a lot of times at some of these, you know, kind of closer games, sure, is that it does come down to kill points. Is that you do have? You, you have know, kill points too, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know. Kill points is how it used to be done as a tiebreaker, but the secondaries here are, I think, as you look at results, it is more common to see draws, okay. you know, nowadays than what it used to be, where because you had to have the exact same number of kill points. I think the secondaries okay. in their present state, which are called auxiliaries in the general's handbook, yes, they do that diversifying better right mm-hmm. now than than the present state. Okay, I think in this instance, you are rewarding too heavily the thing that goes on in the side now granted in most tournaments you are likely to get you know those kinds of points to the to your overall standing where yes you lost that game but you know you managed to do all your secondaries so you are going to be higher in the standings than somebody who lost on the table next to you and maybe they lost closer than you did and brendan when i look at standings Mm -hmm.
1: i see the difference between being in you know 50th place and 30th place is maybe 8 points, 10 points. Yeah. yeah, That happens. So if I'm achieving, you know, here's another option for this. Maybe this doesn't count towards a single game, but it still counts towards my accumulated point total in ranking me in the event and and i think that would be now to a certain degree at most midwest events right so i think that would be a good way because if i get two of them every game that's 10 more points Mm -hmm. and that could move me up a lot i think i should be rewarded if there's somebody else who's maybe 38th and i'm 39th and there's five points separating us i think if that person achieves no secondaries and i achieve you know 10 secondaries
2: or eight of them or whatever, I should be rewarded for that and I should be ranked higher than that. I'll let you in on a secret here, Dan. Yes. First and second is usually decided by a secondary. Okay. Almost always okay. because we don't play enough rounds to, to get to a true winner in many cases. That's okay. why we incorporate secondaries And as an organizer, and, you're... And tertiaries. Yeah. Typically, the difference is, you know, because you've in most cases, you've maxed out what your paint score is going to be sure. in terms of what it counts to the event. Like As long as you aren't some real jerk... <laughs> You know, your sportsmanship score isn't going to suffer, at least in events that I run. The difference between first and second are just things on the side. Okay. So in some way, yes, that is already occurring. I think formalizing it, because they had that, you know, that pack in the General's Handbook 2020, which Mm -hmm. everyone is super familiar with because they've played tons of games. There is a sample TO pack, and I, I think formalizing it in that way wouldn't be a bad thing. But I personally don't think that having it decide who the winner of the game is outside of what the main scoring was. If you're tied on the main scoring and you did more secondary objectives than the other person, I 100% agree you should win that game. Yeah,
1: and that maybe is a compromise. for It It doesn't decide individual games, Mm. but it would determine overall standing, it would count towards your overall standing in the event. I think that'd be a good way to do it. So we'll modify it and say that. All right, so let's move on. Changing table sizes. Now, I'm bringing this over from 40K. I think it's going to happen. Okay. I don't like it, but... Yes. Okay. I just was thinking about that, as big a deal as that was, going, man, I can't
2: see Sigmar being insulated from this. I, I just don't see that happening. Yeah. I don't want it to happen, I but... If I have to put on my realistic hat, yes, I just don't see how they're not going to, just to keep it the same across the two. Sure. Which means I'll have to cut my mats (laughs) or tape them up. We'll tape them. That'd be better.
1: I don't want you to, who knows? Because they may change it back. Don't cut your mats. (laughs) Who knows what they're going to do, right? The next one is, I am so strong about keeping the random turn mechanic. I love the random turn mechanic. I hate that piece of 40K. Mm-hmm. That once the order is determined, you're stuck. And there are so many advantages to going first in 40k.
2: They've tried to write the rules in 40k and iterate them in a way where there are advantages to going second.
1: They just made a change to to the scoring, scoring objectives yep. in the last turn, which is great. I just think the random turn mechanic forces you to play Sigmar in a different way and to think about things you normally wouldn't have to think about. You know, okay, I'm going to do this thing, but what if I get doubled? What's that going to mean? How is that going to affect my game? Or just being mature enough as a player to say, I got doubled. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to keep playing the game. I'm not going to get upset. It happens. Keep going for the objectives. Keep doing what you do. Because early on, as a very new player, I got internally, I got really upset when I, you know, lost the double. and I'm like, oh, I've lost the game. Right Now it means nothing to me, really. It just means I have to play differently than I did, but it, it, it's okay. It
2: requires you to have to actually use your brain yeah. after the first dice have been rolled. Yes. You have decisions to make in mm-hmm. the middle, which is a point that I'll use to pose a, an item that you have later on here. I think removing the random turn mechanic hurts the game more than it helps the game. I agree 100%. I agree. It and this is something that I was showing off in the teaching game with my buddy, was he won every priority roll. Oh, so, well, there you go. But I told him that there is going to be instances where you are going to want to give me the priority because, you know, there's, you're in a strong position. I gain nothing by going first. Sure. And as it turned out that going into the third battle round, that exact instance came up. And I showed him, I said, before you take this turn, let me show you and talk through the motions of, of what we have out here. Yeah. And he looked at it and he goes... Oh, he goes. I can see why that's important. I said, and then I said you probably have me beat at this point. But you know we're going to keep playing to roll the dice. Sure. Said so you get the bottom of the turn. I have achieved basically nothing in my turn. Okay. And it positions you to double turn me potentially mm-hmm. into the next turn, right. which means that you have effectively gotten almost three turns in a row.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But if you have set yourself up for that, then congratulations. Mm-hmm. If you have permitted yourself to be in that position. That's on you. Right. And, you know, I know I had made decisions in that game where I had wanted to make sure to show things off and wasn't necessarily playing the most tactical of games. Mm -hmm. It had left me exposed in spots. I wanted to show him specific mechanics. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately for me, (laughs) the super combo showed up and I went, well, okay, we're going to teach the value of giving the turn away. Okay. I think it needs to stay. I think it's one of the quintessential Age of Sigmar rules. Yes. Agreed. So this next one, I know we are going to disagree on, and that's okay. And what is it, Brandon? Why don't you talk about it? Command points for both players are generated at the beginning of each battle round. And Dan, absolutely not. Okay. No. Why? For the exact reason of the double turn mechanic. Mm -hmm. You have to, as a player, understand the position you're in, the advantage of being able to burn through your opponent's command points and then strike the double over the top of them. Mm Mm-hmm is the things that win you the games. I think putting the command points at the top for both of them only helps the person who has done some kind of poor management in the Mm -hmm. top of the turn. Mm -hmm. You are rewarding a player for, at least in the present state of the game, not being smart about using their resources. I, I think it helps the player at the bottom of the first turn you know, save themselves from like the craziest of alpha strikes. If this was, you know, you get both of you start with one at the start of the game and that's your one for the first battle round, I'm okay-ish with that. I don't love it as much as, you know, as I think you do here. But the notion that throughout the game, once you know the economy of this resource Mm -hmm. and kind of what the schedule is to it. I don't think you should be rewarded for, for preparing, the, not preparing, preparing and not anticipating.
1: Some of these things that I've written down, Brendan. I'm not for or against. I'm just bringing them up because they're I've just ideas. Them. Yeah, they're just ideas. So for me, this one is the reason I would be a proponent of this is just because if you're even if you're managing your command points properly, if you don't get them till that second part of the turn, you may not have command points where someone else obviously there's some armies that are rich in command points mm-hmm. you get no chance to mitigate things like battle shock and stuff like that, because you have no points to do it. That would be useful, because even if you got one command point, you might be able to save a unit. You might be able to hold somebody up. You might be able to do something else if you had that one point at the beginning that you were going to get. Now, remember, too, that there's some of these things that are generated during your turn. So I'm really only talking about that one point that you get at the beginning of the battle round. Sure. And that is something you would get. And then you'd get additional based on whatever your army rules were during your actual turn. Versus the top of the battle round. So that's what I
2: picture this as being. Um, versus, So you at
1: least have one yeah. to work with. Yeah, I still don't like it. Yeah, um, that's fine.
2: It's just the notion of, of feeling like you're rewarding people yeah. like for making poor decisions. Okay. Now, if this is an instance where there's no longer the random turn, I'm much more in favor of this idea. Mm-hmm. Just because there is suddenly no advantage to kind of trying to set yourself up to swing over the top of somebody Sure, in in that double turn by making them burn through command points in the whole of whatever battle round that was and then hopefully seizing the initiative into the next round that makes sense and then making them pay for that decision over the course of another turn
0: fair
1: enough
2: if you don't have that reversal okay then i think the schedule does need to be more regular
1: okay so let's skip over i want to go over the next one no terrain keywords Okay. I do not want to go the 40K route. I just don't. This one is one I'm...
2: So when you say this, is this like the defining what kind of terrain yes, everything it is? Yes, is, it is light cover. It is
1: where you have terrain that has like three different keywords or four Mm -hmm. different keywords, I just find that incredibly complex for a game that doesn't need to be that complex. I understand that 40K terrain has a lot more effect on the game. It just does Mm -hmm. inherently. But making, you know, a little brick of trees on a Sigmar board have three different rules, it's enough already that they has one rule, that it's whatever it is. Well, it's it's got two rules now. Yeah,
2: well, right. Right, with the way that uh, the realms work. Right on top of being cover, I
1: don't need that. I don't mm. want that complexity. I guess in the game that's already complex enough. No. Um, what were your thoughts on that
2: one? I don't mind the idea of defining some things better. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, is we know from the Sons of Bannett rules that there is going to be some sort of keyword for rubble. Yeah. Right. We know that. I don't have a problem with defining like the state of things. You know, it's like rubble is cover but you don't get plus one to your save by being in rubble. Cover is cover. Or you're minus something to your movement or something else. buildings are buildings. I don't want to get into the interaction of, is this tree tall enough to count as, (laughs) uh, you know, whatever. I think if you work in like sweeping generalities, I don't think that'll be an issue because I'll just write into my pack, this is this, this is this, this is this, that is this. Which is
1: one of the issues that was created with 40K because it does define terrain by height specifically. And you know people are going to notch and they're going to do this and they're going to model this way to advantage and it becomes too much part of the game and you're not playing the game. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that, they don't make it any more complex <laughs> than it already is. I think we have
2: enough. So that's just me. So, speaking to complexity, one of the things I'd really like to see in 3.0 that's not on our list, because. Yeah, I- sure. Some things here is I would really like them to define the phases as they are presently. So people who have been playing Age of Sigmar for a while know that every phase is actually broken into three parts outside Mm -hmm. of the specific instances within the phases. I want them in the rules to write beginning of phase is this, and not just in the FAQ, which is where it is now. During the phase is this, end of the phase is this. All of the phases occur using this structure. Hero, you know, moving, shooting, charging, combat, battle shots, all have this beginning, during, and end step. And I can see that because there's so
1: many rules for so many War Scrolls that say at the beginning of Coda, versus during. it, yes. Right, and during could mean anything.
2: Yeah. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Codify that. Make it part of the rules. Don't make it this kind of esoteric knowledge that only some people have and some people don't. And look, if it pushes it to 15 pages instead of 12, fine. Right. As long as we are staying away from the 100-page rulebook, I think we're in good shape. Sure. There is some things that your rules in your game serve this purpose. They serve this structure. Mm -hmm. Make it part of the core rules. Okay. The other thing that I would like to see that, you know, deals in a little more complexity is I want more realm spells. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. we have, we went from having too many that were not in any way, shape, or form regulated. Right. And it was up were, to the... it was pretty crazy. Something. It was up to the TOs to be like, okay, we're not playing in the Realm of Fire because this is dumb. There has to be some middle ground between one realm right. spell, which... Almost always, you look at it and you go, "I have an extra cast." What's the realm spell say? Yeah, okay, I guess I'll do that. <laughs> or you even just go, "Not worth it." I'm just not even gonna roll this extra set of dice here. They went beyond simplifying, is what they did. Yeah, <laughs> there is some middle ground between seven out of control, unregulated realm spells and one forgettable realm spell. Yes, you cannot tell me that like we can't have the signature spell. We'll have like a low spell a medium spell, and a high spell. Like, mm. you know, make the high spell nuts. Yeah. Casting it, value 4, 6, and 8 or something like sure. that. Sure. Yeah. yeah, Or a 10 if it's right, really right. bonkers. <laughs> right, sure. I feel so often that I'm sitting there with, you know, some of these casters who have two, and I go, the situation doesn't call for hmm. anything. Okay, fireball, here's a mortal wound. <laughs> like, I, I already cast Arcane Woo-hoo! Bolt. Yay. <laughs> Like, why can't I look at me like, or even, you know, this is an old Warhammer fantasy battle rule where you could turbocharge spells mm. and, you know, there was some risk to you as the caster. I don't think introducing that kind of mechanic in this game is necessarily great. Like if you fail to cast it, exception to unbinding, then you suffer a mortal wound instead. Why can't mm. I turbocharge a spell and, you know, and pay the price of saying like, I'm going to go for this eight plus, but if I don't make this eight plus, it's three mortal wounds. Right. Like, why isn't that an option on the it's table? It's a choice. Yeah. Yeah, it's another choice. Make, make make me pick. In terms of, like, you know, some base rules there, I really think that, you know, the game would benefit from some choice diversity. Now, what it means, points-wise, is bringing some of these mega casters into line with what the rest of the game is, because I because auto-casting that super mega 8-plus spell, <laughs> techless, with no chance of failing, I don't like that very much. No. So there's... No. There's, there's some
1: feel-bads, right. for sure. Okay, uh, next one is just a quick thing about shooting, and there's other things later that I'll talk about and why I would recommend this. I'm just—and it's not a recent experience where you shot two of my guys off in one turn. Mm-hmm. That was my fault for putting them too close. But nonetheless, if I put them further away, they would have been shot off anyway later on. I just think that you have to do something to— Keep shooting respectable and keep it an aspect of the game that people can use, but make it so it's just not so crazy. Because literally, you can shoot Teclas off the board. You could shoot Nagash off the board if you have the right unit. You could. Yeah. And there's no way to me. Now, this is just me. You're talking about a god, and one, you know, two units of archers are going to shoot the god off the board. It's like, what? I mean, that makes no sense to me. Mm-hmm. I just... For whatever reason, of course, I don't have shooting. But even if I did, I want it to be reasonable. I want it to be useful. I want it to be powerful, but I don't want it to be the be all, end abusive, all. Abusive, right? And and for you, like we talked about those one dimensional armies. You know, you have enough shooting in the the right places. You can just do that. My suggestion is, first of all, you can't shoot into melee. Okay. So if you have two infantry units engaged, you can't shoot the enemy who's engaged with your guys. If you're in melee yourself and you're a shooting unit, okay, I don't get that either. I don't get the fact that you should be able to shoot into that combat because if you got rifles and there's guys beating on you with axes, no, you shouldn't be able to do that. Or if you've got cannons, how the hell are you shooting your cannons at all when there's guys with sticks and twigs beating you? You go, hold
2: on, I got to load this (laughs) thing real quick. Give me a minute. Okay,
1: I think if it's your own combat, make it a minus two to hit. Okay, fair enough. If you want to shoot your rifles while somebody's in melee with you, instead of hitting on a four, you're going to hit on a six. Leave them some lead way because if guys have crossbows, that's all they have. They have knives, right? Yeah. <laughs> they have melee weapons. I get it. Make it hard for them to shoot. And by the way, they're shooting and they're meleeing too. That's the other thing. with the shooting unit gets in melee, they can do both during their turn. Why should they be able to do that if... Anyway, that's just a quick thing, I think an idea to throw out. There are, there are many options and many So that doesn't actually variations. solve
2: the stated problem that, that you have. Okay. You know, your concern here, one, I think that would help. No, first, right off the bat. Right. That doesn't solve the problem that you listed out, where you are able to take down these mega characters and mega units at distance. But
1: Brendan, I'm going to talk about that later. Okay.
2: I'm going to talk about that later. Let's... I don't see it on here, but It okay. is. We
1: will talk about it. We will talk about it. I have another issue. In, I have some other suggestions or ideas in terms of heroes. And okay. it will be on there to make them more resilient against shooting or any attacks, basically.
0: Okay. So
2: that's just a quick thing about shooting that I had. My suggestion in this instance, because I don't see it listed in here is that you suffer penalty at larger than half range which was an old Warhammer Fantasy battle rule. range bands basically yeah. okay so yeah. rather than breaking it out into you know having to get like special tape measures if yeah. you're outside a half and all these are divisible by 2 very easily this is a complicated mm-hmm. math game i think you can
1: <laughs> Wait a minute a 18
2: wait 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 okay it's just a flat Minus one to hit. Okay. And
1: if you're shooting at a hero, it's minus two because they're...
2: Because lookouts, lookouts out, sir! right. Right. Okay. I idea. think those things may be together. I don't necessarily know how that would affect the speed of right. the game. There's that too. But I, I think a mechanic like that wouldn't be the worst. Okay.
1: The next thing I have on my list here is I want to make sure that we keep control of objectives by model count and not wounds. And I say this because one army in particular <laughs> that we know, Maw Tribes, if we did something like that, it would make their special rules useless. And, it really would. Yeah. And I think that if you've got four monsters on the table already, you already have an advantage. You really do. The fact that you have four monsters, thats really that has a, a broad
2: effect on the tabletop. That's one of the penalties that you take right. by taking a monster is right. that you are only... One model. Which is why that should stay that way
1: so that you don't get, like, you got a 12 wound model. Why are you getting, number one, the benefits of having all the things that a monster can do, plus you're counting as 12 wounds? Wait, wait a minute. You know, I just, I don't think that's right. I think that it would just throw everything off. You've got one army that does that, but that's their special rule. And that's okay.
0: Mm.
1: You know, it also, we have missions where that's, I think we have one or two missions where, things count as more than one wound, right? Don't we have that one the monsters count as 10 if they're within such of an objective oh, or something? Yeah. The one we played,
2: there's one of them. It used to be like Relocation Orb, right? right. Where heroes counted as 10 and wizards were 20. right? And right. then it was number of models. Right. And if you had an artifact and it was a Tuesday and the sun was out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think some of that's built into the game
1: already. So making that a, a game-wide change, I think would be detrimental.
2: I Agree from time immemorial. I have stated that wounds is too complicated of a scoring mechanic for for objective cap because, yeah. in, in most cases, most models are one wound. Mm-hmm. Ta da! Yep, when you start adding multi wound models to that structure, that's when things get kind of dicey, yeah, and get pretty wonky. Yep, yeah. okay,
1: so that's that one. I want to, and I'm going to skip around. Most of these others have to do with heroes, and the reason. Brendan and listeners, I'm talking about these it's other because things.
2: Dan's heroes die a lot. Well, he feels bad about and, it.
1: And Yeah, of course. But I just think
2: that heroes
1: need to be different. Now, oh, you're paying 120 points for a model. Yeah, and it's got a four-up save and five wounds. Seriously? Well, sometimes that's right. Uh, we'll talk so. about yeah. that, yeah. But look, like, they die. Like a tyrant. I was looking at Mod Tribes again. A tyrant's got like eight wounds and a four-up save. He mm. can't have a three-up save if you choose. A tyrant, this is... Again, I'm looking at it from a bigger narrative picture and what a hero should represent. Sure. A hero should be epic and a hero should be somebody who survived many battles and has all this skill at surviving because they have for so long. And all of a sudden you bring a unit of ten archers up and you fire at them and they're dead. Sure. Like whoa, wait a minute, you just killed this hero who's survived hundreds of battles with your 120 point unit of archers? That makes no sense to me. <laughs> Game-wise, I get it, I don't like it. And I think we need to do some things to make heroes more resilient in all armies, not just my Nighthaunt, in all armies. Because there are a lot of armies that have, my Nighthaunt probably have more resilient in terms, not in terms of wounds, but the fact that they're all ethereal they're probably more resilient than a lot of other heroes are from that perspective. Yeah. You know, so it's not that it's just overall. I think heroes should be more resilient in the game. The first one is I think that heroes not only need a save, I think they need an invuln save and I think they should have better armor saves, better
2: after saves, better after after saves. Okay. Okay?
1: I think every single hero on the board should have an after save. Mm. I just do. I think they should all have after saves, whether it's a 6-up or a 5-up or whatever it is. Some of them do, but a lot of them don't. Most of them don't have after saves, if you look at the game overall. Sure. And Now, when I say an invuln save, what I'm talking about there is, let's say they're Mm 5-up, and you have a 6-up save, 6-up invuln save, as it were. So if they get Ren 2, you still get your 6-up save. In other words, you know, okay. that kind of so a you, thing. So
2: you are introducing the 40k invuln saves. I am. You're not talking about these the, are, the the colloquial death save. Right. These are kind of like the old ward saves, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Isn't it similar to that? Yes. I think we but should do that. very few things had ward saves. Right. You had to be a very special character in Warhammer Fantasy Battles to have a ward save. And a ward save five up was a big deal. It was. Yeah. So anyway, that's
1: just a thing I think we should do. So again, as I wrote here, a four up save for
2: a hero doesn't seem like it's what it should be. And that's where I'll disagree with you. In the instance that you presented the Ogre Tyrant yeah, yeah. as having a four up save yes. is the same as the Iron Guts, which is the elite unit. The regular Ogre Boy is a five up. Okay. He is on par with the elite unit of the game, armor save wise. Cool. You can make him a three up in, you know, if right, you take you you so one of those things from the table, yeah. But he is double the number of wounds of any individual model mm-hmm. they have already made him extra survivable they have already made this character special and tankier now do i think that all night haunt characters should be five wounds no you know the the point here being is that in a lot of these instances they have already made these heroes of the line as they were better than their line troops, but they don't have anything that they are armed with that is anything special other than they have more wounds, but they have the exact same armor as the dudes that they're standing next to. I agree with your point,
1: what you've just talked about. Where I disagree is that... When we look at the heroes and you say they're more survivable, Mm -hmm. that would be true if we didn't have some of the things we have in the game now. And I'm specifically dealing with shooting again. Yes. If we didn't have the volume and the ability to shoot the way we do, I would agree with you. But because we have shooting that we have now, it makes those four extra wounds not really mean much of anything because four wounds versus eight wounds... You could do that. It doesn't really matter whether my hero has five up ethereal or eight up ethereal. Okay, give him three more wounds. He's still going to die. Mm-hmm. If with the shooting volume that we have in the game now, and with shooting armies we have in the game, so, that, so that's I, I my thought I on- think
2: you're trying to build a better bulletproof vest here rather than unloading the gun. <laughs> okay. It's easier to unload a gun than to put more plating what on your jacket. What you're talking about is
1: maybe making some modifications to shooting in the game right. versus making modifications to the resilience of units.
2: Yes. That's when you get to the root of what your concern right. is and here. So- it, it is this other phase that we that we just, you know, talked about in some regards. So that's the thing that that needs the addressing. Maybe okay. not so much the heroes because we actually Saw what this looked like without shooting, and that's where Sonesh was running around the table for six months because mm-hmm. no one could put their hands on the heroes at range. Mm-hmm. If you do both, right, where you neuter shooting and you make the heroes better, mm-hmm. you're just going to end up with that same problem again.
1: Oh, great! I mean, you have to kind of choose. I would mm-hmm. agree. And here are a couple of my other things, just to kind of build on this. One of the things is heroes without tables. Uh, I was specific about this. So this is smaller heroes. I think they should be able to join units. I know that you're going to be way against this. You're going to really not think, but I think they should be able to join units. And I think on whatever it is, a roll of four up three or whatever it is, damage goes to the units unless the attacker is close. Like if it's in hand to hand, Mm -hmm. you get no benefit from joining a unit. I think you should be able to have smaller heroes join units and I would be... Okay with let's say they only can join units of ten or less models, so they have to join smaller units, almost like a bodyguard kind of a thing, mm-hmm. for those kind of units. They can't join units of sixty or somewhere. Nobody's ever going to
2: get through all those wounds to get to the hero. Something smaller, you know, unit of five. Yeah, but unit why of can't 10. a goblin hero join a unit of sixty? Hmm? Why can't a goblin hero? I'm join saying a unit all. 60? Heroes. Wouldn't, wouldn't that make sense? Well, but why
1: can't my? Then I could say, you know, why can't my night haunt hero join a unit of forty? Yeah, chambers? why not?
2: Visually, it makes sense. When you're limiting it to ten, right, is ten liberators the same as ten? Uh, of course not. Chain rass. Chain no. Rast, no. no. Of course is Ten not. chain Rast the same as ten blade guys? Right. No. No. Well, yeah. No, it's not because a different save. Yeah. Right. A different the, save. It's right. different save. They do different right. things. I'm not going to say that the blanket statement right there is is the problem. I will say from your years of playing Warhammer Fantasy battles, yes, this is a nightmare. Okay. Uh, like. One of the things that you used to do in Ogres, this one was really fun because Ogres were three models across. Their command was three models. So that was the front rank. You could never displace the command unit. Mm. So you would put your hero in the second rank. So you would be unable to target the hero oh, that's funny. ever under any circumstance, unless like sure. you challenge them, in which case you would just throw out the unit champion to take the challenge. And then the Ogre Tyrant would just annihilate the rank anyways. Sure. So point there being in that one. Ooh, I don't know about that one. The other thing that would concern me with that is one: if you choose to have the the hard model cap, there are going to be armies that that use that totally disproportionately to others. Like, mm-hmm. what's keeping me from taking hammer Hammerhand and putting him in a unit of eight Fulminators? Mm-hmm. Sure, nothing. There is nothing that is that's going to do that for me. I don't mind the idea of the lookout, sir. I don't mind them using a unit nearby. To keep them safe, and some units have that rule already. There's some things in the game that do that, yeah. Correct, yes. I that I have absolutely no problem with. Okay, putting them in the units, I think, is would open up a can of worms, okay, a Pandora's box, if you will. That we closed in Age of Sigmar, we we managed to get that closed for okay, as we translate, but it but from a moment. Fantasy now, right one it. thing I wouldn't mind seeing coming back is challenges. Mm-hmm. Heroes fighting heroes, being unable to be targeted by you know other units. You have these epic duels between mm-hmm. characters. I'd love to see that come back. Sure. Challenges were so awesome.
1: And again, I see a problem with that. Now, this is great.
2: I love this discussion. Right. I see a problem with that because
1: you have armies. And, and now this is, I'm just talking about my nine haunt. The most I have on any hero is seven wounds. Sure. There are plenty of armies that have lots of heroes that have 12 or 14 wounds. I'm never going to be, if I'm challenged, I'm never going to be able to stand up against heroes from another army that are so big like that. I mean, it's the challenge, it's
2: pointless for me. It's just like an auto kill for you, Mm -hmm. you know, so. So to give you some insight, that was always a problem. There was never a time and place where challenges were fair and balanced instances. But there was strategy around how you chose to handle challenges because In a lot of cases, I would just toss my sergeant out into your meat blender and go, cool, you're going to kill that guy. Hmm. You're going to kill him by 97,000 wounds. Sure. But the rest of my unit is still going to fight your unit, and you're still going to lose this fight Mm -hmm. because you wanted to declare a challenge. I gave you my unit sergeant, but (laughs) I won the combat by killing enough of your dudes around you, where now you go, oh, well, shoot, I still lost by two. Sure. (laughs) Woohoo! Cool. (laughs) Sucker. There were things like that that I really liked. Vampire Lords. Them and Chaos Warrior, uh, Chaos Lords were some of the single most feared <sighs> challenges that you could come across. I don't see any reason why super duly characters shouldn't be great at super duly things. Like, you'd have to play with those rules in mind.
1: Right. And uh, again, it's... Now you're talking about affecting the competitive side of things. right? It's not, we're going from the realm of it's cool and narrative to, oh, yeah. How does this impact the rest of it? This this is a competitive game we're talking about Mm -hmm. here, so.
2: Yeah, because if I have the opportunity to hide my hero away from your unit and your unit is going to be the thing that's going to do the most damage, of course I'm going to take that opportunity. Sure. Now, you always had the option of declining a challenge in which you, you know, you suffered a penalty for that. You know, maybe there's a way to do it. That's one of the things I'd like to see just because it's one of those things that I enjoyed so much, partly because once I had sorted out the idea of that, because a lot of times I was in your space, Dan, I was playing my beast of cast, I'm like, oh, my heroes suck. Yeah. Like, you know, this is garbage. <laughs> this is nonsense. Until I figured out how to work my way around that. And I built myself a Beast Lord that as soon as he won a challenge, the <laughs> unit caused terror and had frenzy. And the whole unit handed out a minus to save from the banner. And my armor (laughs) save was garbage anyway. So what's the difference between a (laughs) 5-up and a 6-up? Nothing. Cool. Of course, Uh, now,
1: Brendan and Nighthaunt, there's one simple solution. Make coaches heroes. <laughs> that, that would fix it for me. Anyway, let's go over a couple of few other things. The next one was heroes with tables. Do not degrade until 50% wounded. Now, I know that's a 40K thing,
2: but here's my thing again for this. Yeah, fine. Yeah, I think for that's all right. People. Rather than just saying like blanket statement tables, I think it's things with mounts, yeah. right? Because there yeah. are individual monsters and creatures and things that have tables themselves, Mm -hmm. they don't have a mount, or, you know, they have... Like a keeper doesn't have a mount. Right. I think a character like that should suffer as they take, you know, wounds Mm -hmm. as they go. But the other thing that I would say is then you're making the assumption that the tables have some sort of impact on the rider, Mm -hmm. and in many cases that's not true. Almost always the tables are affecting the mounts. So I think if you do that halfway point, You should also integrate some part of the regular hero into that table. And then after that halfway point, you see sharp declines on the mount. Sure. Um, But that would require rewriting a whole hell of a lot of War Scrolls. War Scrolls, right. I'm not opposed to it. I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. I would be interested to see how they choose to solve that, though. Okay. I don't think it's a problem.
1: So I've got a couple more here. The next one. I'm talking about gods. Things we know are gods. Mm -hmm. Marathi is one now. Sure. Alarial's a god. Sure. Teclis is a god. Yep. You know, let's talk about Arcan. Now, for all intents and purposes, he is a god. In in the
2: game state, yes.
1: Yes, in the game state, he's a god. I don't get where, and I've talked about it already, you could easily shoot Alarial off the board. You could. Yes. You could shoot Teclis off the board. You could do that. You can. It's a lot harder, but yes. You could. So, why is it that you can shoot other gods off the board, gods, mm-hmm. and yet Marathi only takes three wounds ever? She's a god. They're all gods. Why can't you
2: either. Marathi has an artifact of a dead god.
1: Whatever. That's very different. You know, I get it from you're talking about an artifact, but I just think there needs to be some kind of equivalency. In terms of the rule mm-hmm. of limiting damage, whatever it ends up being, if you're that powerful and you're paying that many points for something, there needs to be a way to integrate. Either give the other gods a version of her rule or, no, let's not get rid of her. We don't want to get rid of things. Yeah, we, we, we want to be additive if we're going to do so.
2: Yeah. so okay. Solutions should be, generally from my perspective, bringing everybody to a certain level yes. unless you are so out of bounds that the right solution rather than making everybody out of bounds mm-hmm. is to pull you within the framework of the structure. Right. I don't think Marathi is out of bounds. There are ways that you play around her. There are things that you can do, you know, to handle that character and that model. Yeah. So I agree that maybe we should think about a potential solution to, mm-hmm. you know, how you manage these other things. Maybe it's for each character that it's you know 25 percent of whatever you, of is. whatever their wounds are right so mm-hmm. let's say you know for you know for ease of it i think Alaria is 16 yeah maybe you can't do more than four, four. wounds to her a turn right. okay you know you've paid these 600 points for this model you are going to get some mileage out of it the difference is though is that marathi can never heal mm-hmm. these other characters can heal teclas aside can yes how do you weigh that consideration agreed right do you open up the the damage boundary of which you know they can take mm-hmm. because you know that they're going to be getting some back i think it's a more delicate solution than just the flatly saying everyone gets marathi's rule I'm not opposed to the idea. I like what you're saying. Of though. lifting others up. Yes. Or- Marathes I think, is fine. Yeah. So, okay. right, we, we leave that alone. And maybe you do put, like, a god keyword mm-hmm. onto these things. And it becomes just this overarching governing concept. And maybe with Kragnos, you know, mm-hmm. you, you do kind of end up in this place where, where they get a special classification in the game. that you Like a keyword. Yeah, yeah. That, that you have to go... Well, this is what maybe
1: even bring the issue up. As is mm-hmm. I was thinking about mortal realms, and I was thinking about what we know, mortal realms is going to represent Belicore. I mean, look at the size of him. My God, he's as big he's Archeon as Archeon size. Oh, he's huge. Or you know, on the other side, he's like as big as Mortarian or big as Magnus. He's just monstrous. He's going to have different rules than he has now. Oh, he's going to be a
2: beefy boy.
1: He's going to be beefy, and he's going to be right on the edge of godhood. You know, he's mm-hmm. not going to be
2: quite there. He's, he's, he's going to basically be what Archeon is, right? Though, where he isn't a you know direct god of anything but but he is the first he's godlike yeah he is at the top of the food chain in in his particular universe so should he not have again where are the limits around this you know do they need to consider these war scrolls differently instead Mm -hmm. of maybe making it an overarching concept you have to rethink nagash's war scroll and saying Mm -hmm. right sure he does these things that are worth 800 points but in plenty of these games, and I'm not opposed to having, you know, things that are hard counters to you. Like, if your army is just built to beat this guy, mm-hmm. cool, fine, so be it. But you can't say that, you know, pulling a number out of there, 25% of your games, everyone's just like, oh, yeah, the god of death, chump. Uh, like, <laughs> sure. You know, it, sure. that shouldn't be you. the case. It should be, you know, maybe one or two instances where just the way that you're built, mm-hmm. you go, okay, I can handle mm-hmm. that guy in yeah. the same way that... Your super powerful thing. A couple armies go. Okay, I can handle that thing. Sure. But you pay the price for it somewhere right. down the line. In that instance, in this instance that you are proposing, you feel too many things have that occurrence. So, it could be war scroll rewrites. Could be you know we'll call it the protection of a god. Mm. I'm not opposed to the idea. I don't think mm. that it would be a bad thing in 3.0 to do that. So the last one, I'm going to be interested in your reaction mm-hmm. to this one.
1: When I look at the damage that some single models can do, single models, sure. it's frightening to me. I actually kind of like it. Well, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I guess this depends on your perspective on the game. But I, I just think that when you have a, well, you just talked about it when you played your friend. You knew you had one model that just went nuts. He, he rolled it, good and he was rewarded for it. Yeah. What can I do go. about it? Right. I just think that a single model that does like 40 to 60 damage in a turn, I just think that's nuts. I just, if I'm a new player, and I'm, mm-hmm. again, I'm taking this as a perspective of let's bring some people into the game. And somebody goes there and they played a game against someone who's got a model like that. Even if the person isn't being, you know, abusive, as it sure. were, they're giving them a chance and stuff. You see somebody roll up, and they're just killing 20 models every turn, this one model. You're going to go, what, man? This, I, I'm not having fun. It's a fun factor thing, mm-hmm. or it's a, do I enjoy the game when I'm playing against other armies that have this kind of thing? Wow, I don't know that I'm enjoying the game as much. It's a feel bad for me. <laughs> if it happens time and time again i think there's a lot of it in the game that's my perspective i don't know you know you have a bigger you know yeah. a 10000 foot view and i don't know again it's not that i want to take stuff away i just think it's something to look at and it's something to think about how you think maybe people we you, you think maybe
2: it has pushed too far i think because I personally really like the killy version of this game. There used to be a time and place where nothing died, mm-hmm. and those games were just slogs. Now Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong, like that is my preferred play state, is to be in a place in the game where my stuff is not dying, and I am just kind of attritioning my way through it. Oh, sure. But everybody used to be an attrition army. You used to be able to design oh. armies that simply did not die. And, Brendan, if it was that every
1: army in Sigmar, or almost every army, had that unit that could just lawnmower other units, Mm. that would be fine with me. Sure. But we don't have that. We don't have that parity. So maybe, again, to your point of let's not take away, let's add, let's think about these armies that don't have the lawnmowers, and let's think about giving them something that would allow them to do that. That's Okay, that's cool. I'd be all right with that, too. I'm still a little uncomfortable <laughs> with it, but okay, if that's your solution. And let me just circle around then with the sh- the whole shooting thing for me. Look, uh, if you've got a shooting army out there, listeners, awesome. Good for you, man, that you've got somebody who's got the potential to just blow somebody off the board by the end of turn one. You know, that's, that's awesome. Good for you that you've figured that out, that you know how to play your army, and you've got the tools to do that kind of a thing. But I think there's other ways... To make shooting reasonable,
2: I'm going to use that word, versus what it's becoming. Oh, we're coming back to the same problem here, Dan. You yeah. just don't like the way the shooting exists. <laughs> and that's okay. And I'll
1: tell you what, even if I play my soul blight, you know, whatever it is, when I get that, to that point. Or if I was going to have my... my I hope for you there's no shooting units in it. <laughs> my my boulder heads. Sure. You know, it doesn't matter. You would still be able to shoot a Stonehorn off the board. You know, and it's like, whoa, wait a minute. In one, you, you just shot one like a third of my army off the board whatever it is it just makes no sense to me and if i have no ability here's the other problem brent if i have no ability to mitigate that to get to you right if i can't engage you in melee because you're shooting me off the board before i can get there then the game is really one-sided if i don't have the opportunity to deal with that problem that's a big difference Mm -hmm. than saying well you know i should be able to shoot yeah sure i agree but can I get to you? Can I force you into a different game? Can I make it so that we're both playing the game, not just you in the shooting phase? Mm-hmm. That's kind of what my uh-huh. thought is on that.
2: Yeah, I, it could be. You know, back to the notion of of damage, right? I'm super cool with everything with having there be blenders left, right, and center. Sure, cool man, awesome, great. Sure, is it worthwhile to look at you know some of these like real extreme edge cases? Yeah, well, we should be doing that no matter what. Like, that should be where points come into play, right? Yeah. Instead of rewriting their war scroll sometimes, you go, okay, well, clearly that unit's not 160 points. You know, let's give it a go at 200. And sure. then that changes your list. It gives them less things to protect them. Maybe they don't take that hero that gives them the luxury reroll ones, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. Sure, I get the position of the shooting phase being kind of out of bounds in places, states. The thing that you really haven't seen because, you know, we've not had the opportunity to go to games right, and and that kind of thing. The other thing right now that kind of lives in an out-of-bounds state is these super mega casters. Mm -hmm. How do we bring that into line too? But I think, you know, when you say reducing damage... I don't really think that any of the combat stuff is super out of bounds in its Mm -hmm. present state. Mm. You get what you pay for in a lot of instances. Sure. And obviously you really can't deal damage without yourself becoming exposed to damage by being a combat unit. Okay. Now, granted, you can control that by, you know, where you charge, when you charge, how you charge, that kind of stuff. Okay. But by being that close to the enemy, you are naturally, (laughs) by the objective measure of inches, Mm. you have made yourself... Within threat range of of the enemy, sure. When you're sitting back and you're lobbing shots at 36 inches out, yes, that's very different. You should really never be able to do the damage at range of a combat unit.
1: And this would get to your point
2: of range bands. You know, you can do half the damage there or range bands. You suffer penalties for moving. You know, so if you moved with we'll call it a, right, for 40K terms, a heavy weapon, and you are shooting outside of your range band, now it's minus two to hit instead of minus one, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I think that there are... Yeah, move and shoot, that's an
1: interesting one to consider, that not only when you can move and shoot with no penalty
2: that's very powerful. And, and there should be some yeah. things that you can move and shoot without penalty, well, right? But then we get into classifying weapons in the same way that, that 40K does. Well, and
1: then you're also extending when you can move and shoot with no penalty, you're also extending the range of that weapon significantly. In, you know? in a lot of cases, yes. Yeah. You're getting that benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway.
2: So that's something there. A couple of things that I had, you know, that didn't make it onto the list is I want, and this will be <laughs> no surprise to anybody. Okay. I want an ability To be able to fight against prayers. It does not have to be good. I just want a dice roll. Yes. So that I can try and pray to my God that your stuff doesn't come true. I have a potential solution here. Okay. It works just like unbinds, except you need a priest, which means that you have to include a priest in your army. So you have to make that decision. And it's on a six. If you have a priest in your army. Some of us don't have priests. And it's the same thing where you get like, oh, this priest gets, you know, one pray against attempt or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, this one is a super big priest. So he gets two. I just want a chance to say no. All right. That's it. Doesn't have to be very good. It can be unreliable. All I want is a chance is to have a chance and to make a decision around. Okay. I chose to not bring a priest. You know, there's some armies that don't have them right now. Sell models. Sell priest (laughs) models. Cool. I just made you money. Or add (laughs) keywords or something. That would be even easier. Sure. Like there are, Mm -hmm. you know, like uh, shamans and stuff in orcs. Mm -hmm. That guy shouldn't be a wizard to begin with. Make him a priest. You can be both. You can be a wizard and a priest. Nagash is a wizard and a priest. Yeah. Why
1: not give Archeon the priest keyword? Why can't a guardian of souls be a priest, you know, and a wizard? Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that that would be an easy solution, actually, because then all you'd have to do is like, OK, here's a fact or here's an errata. Here's
2: the priest keyword for these units. Or, Dan, you sell priest models. Woo. Like, <laughs> you make sure that everybody gets a priest. Everybody's happy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Or you specifically say, this army doesn't have these. And you go, okay, that's a thing that I need to be aware of. Because there are some armies that don't have wizards. I don't know. That's a choice too. The other thing that I would really like to see you know, some effort put into is the Battleshock phase. Mm-hmm. I think it has become too much of the haves and the have-nots. There are armies where... Outside of O.C.R. Bone Reapers, which just flatly say as an army rule we don't do the battle shock phase. Right. Cool, I'm okay with stated exceptions. There are so many armies where doesn't even matter. No, you have all sorts of mechanics that sit around it, and you just go, okay, cool, I lost a guy, and you're like, all right, glad I did all this killing, and I've got these abilities that reduce your battle shock, and well, I guess it doesn't matter. Or the reverse of it is just models, giant swaths. And some of that is supposed to be counterposed by how many command points you can generate that you're supposed to be using Mm -hmm. to stop that. But I want to say in those cases, they fit into the first half that have all those command point generation. They're the, I don't care, I've got 73 command points. You Mm -hmm. killed 43 clan rats in this unit. Here you go, go kill the last 17. It's things like that where you would think that those are the have-nots, but they're not at all. It's the armies that don't, have the ability to mitigate i want the battle shock phase to be more deadly to this group over here where maybe only once per battle round you can spend you know the immune to battle shock Mm -hmm. command point or once per player turn i don't know up to you but I want armies that build around the idea of the bravery bomb to be more effective. It's one of those things that on people have tried for ages to make it work.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: it just never does. No. Because there's no way to shake loose some of these trees
1: of their models. Well, and you know, the problem with Battleshock too, or one of the issues of Battleshock is it disproportionately affects units that have multiple wound models. You know, I mean, you've got a unit of five, whatever's they are, that have three wounds apiece mm-hmm. versus ten that have one wound apiece, and battle shock is a lot more deadly for that unit of, you know, if they both have, let's say, uh, a bravery of six. Sure. <laughs> wow, you know that's very disproportionate when you think about it, and there are rules that make that viable Mm -hmm. or make it even as it were but still you know there there's that piece as well
2: yeah so really it's just i want the battleshock phase to get some time and attention on where it is presently versus where it can go i think that's the phase that has the most kind of untapped potential okay where i think there's a lot of cool things you can do in that phase sure but because there is so much just kind of inadvertent immunity to it throughout the game Mm -hmm. that anything that you have tried to apply in, you know, against the bravery characteristic and the battle shock phase specifically just goes, okay, cool. This comes up like maybe two times a tournament. And when it does, like, I'm real excited, but it's just kind of one of those things where I go, oh, that's right. Uh, An extra D3 models. And Brendan,
1: how often when we're picking relics and spells and stuff, do we pick the ones that affect bravery? Almost never, because it doesn't apply, or it won't do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have the same effect on the game,
2: or it doesn't give you the same... I think I picked the ones in the Slanesh one, because there's cool stacking things that you can do sure. to, to net a different result on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. But that's a three-stage combo, right. uh, <laughs> two of which involve a casting role, and the other one involves right. like proximity to a specific hero.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm not betting the house on that one. Right. That's not... Uh... right. The other thing I will say, though, is... When we left 1.0, I felt like the game was in a pretty good state, and a lot of the things that we got in 2.0 was stuff that I hadn't even considered. Mm-hmm. And you know, after sure. playing it, I thought, well, this is just a straight upgrade over what 1.0 was. Sure. I think 2.0 is great, you know, despite some of our comments and criticisms in here. you know yeah, absolutely. Are, are there things that, that could be better? Yeah, 100 percent, like in most things in life. I'm excited and interested in to see, you know, what that eventually turns into. Yes. And most of the time it's probably going to be things that weren't even on this list in. Probably and yeah, we're sit there and go, Oh my god, of course. We should why <laughs> didn't we talk about that? Yeah. <sighs> yeah units of heroes god
1: dang it (laughs) yeah and i think you're right i mean i'm talking about this stuff and it's like dan you're negative that negative Mm -hmm. about stuff it's not i'm not negative i'm just looking at the game and trying to be creative and just talk about things that don't get talked about Mm -hmm. you know and bring those issues up am i looking forward to my next event whenever it is oh hell yeah i am and i don't care you know i've talked about if i go two and three or four and one or whatever i go i'm good with that i'm gonna love rolling dice against people i know or don't know I'm meeting people, all those things, and I'm gonna play my rules. I'm gonna, you know, use them to the best of my ability. And it's all good. It's great. It's still a great game. No matter if we're a little critical about things or whatever else, Sigmar is good stuff. It just is. All right, man.
2: Let's, Anything else on this one? No, I, I, I think, think we covered a lot of ground. this one
1: <laughs> up good. Yeah, it's about the most you've ever heard us disagree, probably, on stuff. But that's good. We need to have those kind of conversations Gosh, as if well. they had
2: microphones in my basement for all <laughs> the conversations things. we have after games, <laughs> they would know that the extreme limited period of our conversations are in agreement. Yes, <laughs> so. they
1: are, for sure. All right, man. Well, thanks. And we'll uh, move on, then, to Scriptorium.
2: Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Okay, we're back with Scriptorium, and there are just a few new releases since the last episode. Real quickly, we have Death or Glory, which is the fourth book in the Caiaphas Cain series. It is a audiobook only, but it's kind of like they're paralleling the Gaunt's Ghost stuff because they just came out with their fourth book on audio. So, fourth book for Caiaphas Cain. We have Blood of the Emperor, which is ebook only at this point, and it it's basically a bunch of short stories, small stories about Primarchs. And the heresy. And then the final one is Silent Hunters. It is the second book that I will have read about space sharks. And it is ebook and audio if you want to listen as well. Those are the new things that have dropped from Black Library. Brendan, what do you have for stuffs?
2: I finished listening to Buried Dagger this week. It was very good. I really liked it. It was a good recommendation from you and Troy. It was really interesting. I really did like it. The Horse Heresy series has always been quite good, and it's been a long time since I've read or listened to anything from it. That was a good reintroduction to a bit of that universe. It's such a great transitional story. They came in
1: this and they went out that, and then you kind of understand what they are now, I think, if you read that book a lot better than you would if you hadn't read that book. Yeah. So, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. That's great.
2: Then I've been watching a lot of things recently because one football is done and there was the all-star break for a period of time there. So just other things. My one recommendation for this episode is Death Amongst Mormons. It's a documentary on Netflix and I won't give the spoilers to it. I had him pegged dead to rights on why I thought, you know, what it was that was occurring happened. Okay. And then something else happened oh, wow. and I went, oh. Wait, hold on. Oh, that's what, great. What? That's great kind of storytelling. Um, I love that. When you unpack some of the other things, I was kind of right. I was kind of wrong. So, what it is, is it's a documentary about, gosh, I think this was the 90s, the 70s, the 80s, something in that time. I think it was the 80s. But basically, what it is, is there is this group of Mormons who are document collectors. They are these people who, you know, go out and they try and find the historical records. That have been lost to time in these different places okay. of the Mormon faith. And because the Mormon faith is relatively young in comparison to yes. all of these other religions that are out there, the literature and the notes and the diaries of these people, they're out there somewhere. They're available. Uh-huh. And so the Mormon church you know pays a premium for these things. There are people who are collectors of mormon history that you know Mm -hmm. also pay quite a bit of money for these things and it revolves around this one character and this is all real who was like the document finder guy like he found (laughs) everything and that's the way it's pitched to you you know in the first parts of the episode then people start dying oh um Ted Kaczynski style, like mailed packages and things like that, Mm -hmm. like in the document industry, the Mormon document collecting industry. And there's all sorts of stuff with it. It's three parts. It's, you know, roughly three and a half ish hours long to get through all of it. It was really compelling. I think I watched it in two sittings, only because I had to get up and do something halfway Death through. Death Among Mormons. Yeah. It's on Netflix. Uh, it was really good. Very enjoyable. So what about you, Dan? Well, I finished Gate
1: of Bones, the second Dawn of Fire book. Very good. It Very action-packed. Wow. It, yeah. <laughs> it was just really, really good. Much more combat-focused, there wasn't a whole lot of character development in it, which was interesting uh, because the first one, that was pretty much all it was about. I also finished listening to Swords of Kalth. I was going to read it, but I listened to it with Uriel Ventress, his next novel. Again, very action-packed book, and it was so cool because an old friend made an appearance, someone who is definitely one of my very favorite Ultramarines characters. It was a total shock, like Out of nowhere, this guy shows up in the story. I'm like, oh my God, it's fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. It was just so great. And then he ended up being a really important part of the story. It was really, really well done. And then I am continuing to listen to the Prince Roger book four. that I'm listening to. Really good. I just would tell people that it's very narrative if you ever decide to listen to it. They go into, and this is John Ringo and David Weber. You have to understand as authors, they really do a lot of setup and explanation of things as they're happening. So that can get really in the dirt kind of thing. You can really get stuck in if you're not used to that kind of writing style. If you can't handle that, you may want to think about, like, you're going to start hearing it. And all four books are like that. So you have to just kind of know that's coming. And then I'm reading Pariah, which is the first Elizabeth Beckwin novel out of the three. I'm going to tell people it's not a giveaway. This is not the Beckwin of Eisenhorn fame. This is her daughter. Oh, which was cool, and so it doesn't affect the story at all. It's not going to ruin anything for you, but but it allows the timeline to be moved forward, right? And which is great. It was interesting because I'm reading it as though it was the original, and I'm like, well, this doesn't even make any sense. It can't be her, you know. When I thought back about what had happened to her and how things interacted in the book, then you it's read like, like
2: the cover page or something like, like that, right? Like, oh,
1: okay. You know, as I'm reading the story, is like, mm. I am so and so, daughter of so and so. Oh, okay, perfect. It's, it's really good, and it's Dan Abnett. If you're into Ravener or Eisenhorn, you will love this book. Really, really good. So, I have a prediction here of who the Yellow King is for all you narrative and lore fans. The Yellow King has come up in the past, and this character, many people think he's Eisenhorn. We don't know who he is yet. After reading Half of Pariah, after reading Gate of Bones, after reading Dawn of Fire, which all have custodians in them. Mm -hmm. or something referring to custodians, or at least the the Dawn of Fire books do. I think that the Yellow King is Valdor, Mm, who, for those who don't know, is the original leader of the custodians in the original heresy. This is now, of course, 10,000 years later. And here's the reasons that I'm making this prediction. First of all, Valdor was very much against, if you read his novel, The Space Marine Experiment. He thought it was a mistake. He thought the Primarchs were a mistake, and he was not shy about telling people that. He and Rogel Dorn had several conversations in the heresy books, and every single time, basically what Valdor said to Dorn was, it's you and your brother's fault all of this happened. That's notwithstanding the fact that the Emperor did what he did. Sure. That he was conducting this experiment in his basement that he didn't tell anybody about. Obviously, he is absolutely just like the custodians devoted to the Emperor. In these first two books of Dawn of Fire, it is so apparent that the custodians absolutely despise Space Marines. Whether they are OG Space Marines or Primaris, they are contemptuous of Space Marines. They literally, I think would kill space marines if they could. They would do it. They would have no compunction in doing it. And I think about the Yellow King. What kind of armor is he wearing? Yellow. Oh, it's gold, but it's kind of, you know? So we'll see. We will find out.
2: Is it helicopter?
1: (laughs) Is it helicopter? Somewhere in these three Beckwin books... We're going to find out, I think, who the Yellow King is. But that is Dan's prediction. Having read halfway through the first one and all these other little clues are pointing me towards that. Hmm, okay. uh, Because, and it would make sense because Valdor kind of just disappeared. And nobody knows what happened to him. But when you think about all the things that have happened, like Gilliman coming back, the fact that there was a...
2: Oh, he would hate all of this.
1: Oh, my God. Like, oh, a Primark. Just what we need. He's going to screw things up again, you know? And there's this whole thing that... Oh, great. Bigger space marines. (laughs) It'll be really fascinating. Interesting theory, Dan. Yeah, we'll see. I'll report out as I'm reading through these books some more. That is it for Scriptorium, Brendan. Woo! We're moving on to this. Oh, that. (laughs) Okay, my brother. You want to go first? Do you want me to go first this time? Uh, You can go first. Okay. First question. Yes. You're going to start a new 40K army. Oh. Are you going to start an Admech or drukari army? I would restart my drukari. Okay. I thought this was interesting. They're not getting a whole lot of new models. That's fine.
2: There was one model in there I looked at and I went... They've had spears. It's one of the Scourges. And I was like, yeah. I don't remember there being a spear in that Some kit. of them are new. And obviously, there's a lot of plastic here versus old metal stuff. Sure. Yeah, cool. The so, Incubi. I'd like to replace my yeah. old metal ones. Don't get me yeah. wrong. You know, they're nice and all that. But, but those plastic you. ones are awesome. Awesome. They're nice.
1: so cool. <laughs> so, Drukhari. Okay. Now, we have one unknown and one known Mortal Realms character. Mm-hmm. Are you Bellicor or are you...
2: Kragnos uh, Kragnos I, Even though we know nothing about him Even though we know nothing about him The unknown of it is is what has me excited Okay, Coolio That was an easy one
1: Okay, now the next three have nothing to do with Sigmar So the next question You've listened to the Emperor series And you listened to the President series
2: Yep Okay I'm not done with the emperors but okay, yes I okay. I think I'm 50 through the emperors series which do of you have oh, 145 god which do you prefer I think I like the American one just because it's it's more relevant to my interests right like it's it's one thing to talk about all of the things and places that were in ancient Rome and I go cool they're like this is where Serbia is now and I go cool uh <laughs> Oh, he was, you know, born in a log cabin in Ohio. And I'm like, I'm familiar with the state of Ohio. Uh, <laughs> right. It, things like that, where in the Emperor series, you can see where some of their decisions have made an impact on the modern world. Sure. Which is really interesting because, you know, you're talking thousands in, in of some, years. Yeah. In some cases... 1700 years uh, from the time between when they did their thing to what we have now. I mean, the present notion of our legislature is built physically upon the Roman Mm -hmm. Republic. Now, that wasn't an emperor decision, but the fact that it existed for so long in that state that it did, that it made it into all of these other legal systems is very interesting. Cool, But... On the president's side, it is more regular where you see decisions that they made, you know, show up in a meaningful way to you as a present day person. Sure. That makes sense.
1: Okay. Hmm. Cool. And then the next one's a food question. Sure. Taco Bell or
2: Qdoba? I'm not a Taco Bell fan really at all. So <laughs> it's not out built out of some love for Qdoba. <laughs> it's built out of a total just amount of apathy towards Taco Bell. Okay. I think I have had Taco Bell once in the last five years, and it was because it was literally the only place that was open.
1: Okay. <laughs> and then the last one is for recreation. Do you prefer hunting or fishing? I don't like either.
2: I, well, But you have t- to make a to, choice. To be fair, I have never been hunting. Okay. I have been fishing. Boy, <laughs> uh, not a lot of passion from me. Two and, things and, I don't like. <laughs> yeah, two things I do not care anything about, and I know this is all... Very sacrilegious to the Wisconsin you know that I share the state with is that I don't hunt and I don't fish. Uh, I guess fishing's okay.
1: All right, I, I, if you have to make a choice, you would rather mm. spend your time fishing. Okay, I've been hunting. The only hunting I ever did was when I was in high school. We did quail hunting. We go over the mountains from the coast where I lived, and we go into the desert. His buddy, uh, <laughs> we go over the mountains, and uh, we take twenty twos because anything bigger than you blow the bird apart. <laughs> a couple of us had dogs. Yeah, we went rattlesnake hunting too, but we just caught them and let them go. We didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. But the quails were interesting because they were fast and nobody, most people don't know they actually fly a little bit. Man, they were fast little suckers. (laughs) That's why we brought the dogs though, was to flush them. And it was fun. It was fun
2: to just hang out in the desert. Okay, I'm ready for mine. All right. So my first question is broken realms related. A little bit different than your question. I remember us discussing on the front end what we thought, you know, some of the broken realms we were going to get were. This is kind of immediately after Marathi. We have since gotten Broken Realms Techless. We know we're getting Bellacore. We know we're getting Kragnos. Now that we know kind of what the Broken Realms structure is going to be, what would you like them to do a Broken Realms of? And you can go with, like, a concept since they've opened the door to mm. things that don't have precedent.
1: Sure. I've thought about this a little bit, and I think, you know, it kind of relates to my commentary about gods in the game, you know? Mm-hmm. I really would like them to kind of step around and do something with Ilaria, okay? Because I think that not only the army itself, but I think as a character, she's we have underserved. Yeah, we really haven't heard about her or from her for a long time, and so I think it would be neat to kind of refresh her as a character because she's very important. She was very pivotal in the transition from
2: yeah, and the just in that first age, mm-hmm. then AOS that was AOS one point all of the narrative revolved around you know their group being able to close up that realm gate.
1: Yes, and she so she was critical to survival for a lot of the peoples so of the mortal realms. So yeah, I would like to see her. So you would like to get see a Broken
2: Realms, Alariel. I would. Okay. Question number two in 30k. Obviously, you have your primarchs, and we talked about in the last mm-hmm. episode your favorite primarch stories.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But in all these stories, you know. Every Primarch basically has a, a lieutenant of some kind. You know, they're, they're right hand man, they're numero uno. You know, mm-hmm. you've got Karn, you've got Araman, you have Typhon. You have all these characters. Who is your favorite 30K lieutenant?
1: Severus from the Night Lords. He is just the coolest guy. Mm-hmm. And the stories about him are just amazing. I can remember, I hope I'm right about this, but I remember a story about him being on, like he was kind of a prisoner on an ultramarine ship or something, right? And there was this one crew member, and she was like psychic, you know, but she could talk to him. One of the things that Severus has is he has these episodes where he just has this intense pain in his head. Like his head's going to just explode because of things he's seen and done and all these connections and stuff. And she would walk in or near him, and it would calm him. It would just make him not feel the pain anymore. It would go away. Sure. And so he kind of got a connection to her. He, for some reason, I think she worked on the bridge or somewhere else on the ship. And he was in the same compartment or chamber where she was working. For some reason, they allowed him to get out. And this one like supervisor guy, overseer, like hit her or beat her or something. And Sevatar just went off on this guy and just destroyed him. And she was just like... Oh, my God. But it was just so interesting because he always tries to be a little bit like Kurz. Kurz, yeah, Conrad Kurz, you know, thinks he's clever and he tries to be a little funny and whatever it is in his own dark way. Severus was like this, you know, he when they asked him something, he wouldn't say anything or whatever. And he's very quiet and low key most of the time. But just to see that happen was like, that is cool that he's Stuck up for this little nobody, you know, Mm. like this because she gave him that relief. So I think Severus would be my my favorite. Sevatar. Sevatar, yeah. Yeah. Sevatar, yeah.
2: Now, Dan, I don't particularly know you to be an ice cream guy, but as Mm. the weather warms up here, my question to you is you have a three scoop ice cream sundae that you get to make, you know, with whatever toppings you want. Mm. Price be damned. What are you making? Three scoops of ice cream, any variety you want, whatever toppings, you get to build this thing. It would be
1: Moose Tracks. And mint chocolate chip. And, oh, and like um, Reese's. Pieces. Okay. So those would be the three things. And then I would like whipped cream on there. And then I would like, um, this is weird, like pineapple. Okay. Goes with chocolate. Pineapple goes with chocolate. Pineapple I'm you. and mint? And cho- goes with chocolate.
2: Uh, Cindy's <laughs> making a terrible face.
1: <laughs> and then cream and cherry and stuff on, on that. So that's it, man. Okay. <laughs> pineapple goes with chocolate. I'm just saying.
2: Yeah, Yeah, Cindy, you and I can make something normal, (laughs) and Dan Dan can go do his own (laughs) thing. (laughs) Oh, that's great. As we are leaving the cold times as they were, Dan, what is the perfect temperature? 72 degrees. 72 degrees is the perfect
1: temperature. Yes, it is. Boring. Okay. Not too cold.
2: Not too not too hot, not too cold. Okay. No. And for my last question, I had to bring along a visual aid because I know that you're not paying oh, attention. Oh, God.
1: Brackets. Right now is March Madness. Now, this is one of those things, Brendan, you say I'm not paying attention. This is one of those things that I am interested This is probably one of the only sporting okay, things well I'm interested in. Okay, well, then
2: give me in. my template back. <laughs> no. I'm just looking. Um,
1: you're asking me who the top. Who's
2: going to win? Who is going to win March Madness, Dan? So we are <sighs> through the round of 64. The round of 32 games are being played. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. I have already pre-done the bracket with the winners and losers, unfortunately. Yeah, sure. There are no perfect brackets left in the world, which is crazy. Mhm. That so. is true. That is so true. Yeah, well, I'm going to pick Kansas. Kansas is going to win. Who do My you think? goodness. Who do I, you think, Brendan? Out of all those teams? I have Illinois winning. Uh, no way. <laughs> yeah, I do. Just because they're your team. They're not my team. My team is Purdue. My sister went to Illinois. One of my uncles went to Illinois. Okay. We can get into one of my origin stories here. I was going to go to Illinois,
0: mm-hmm. and but
2: they put me on... I went for you know the early... Uh, gosh, what's the term for it? Like... Early acceptance, or something like that. Okay, sure. Where I had to make sure I had all this stuff filed like way ahead of time, but I would find out earlier on I was going to go to Illinois. I got deferred to the next admission step, but Purdue accepted me outright Ooh. in early acknowledgement. And I said, you know what? Oh. I want to go somewhere that wants me there. And history changed in that moment, Dan. That's I- funny. I had kind of a similar experience where I was
1: accepted to Iowa State with a full-ride ROTC scholarship. Mm-hmm. The guy who was the commander, as a Marine Corps colonel or major, was the commander of the ROTC unit there. And he wrote me a letter, and I was super freaking excited. And then, like, two or three weeks later, I got the letter from the academy. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay. <laughs> well, I can think of no better place to have a Navy than the middle of Iowa. <laughs> yeah. Well, Cindy, your dad went to—he was Navy ROTC at uh, Madison.
0: Yeah.
2: So,
1: yeah, and he taught at Iowa State, yeah. So oh, cool yeah. All right. Yeah,
2: so those are my questions. Alright. And man. we got some origin stories out of it.
1: Awesome. Okay, buddy. Well let's close this sucker out, huh? There is something going on around here.
2: Something you may not
1: even know about. Alright, that's it for episode seventy. And episode seventy one, as usual, is TBD. We will see what's going on because Good old
2: Terrence Bruce Davis out here. <laughs>
1: We will figure it out, just like we did this one. We know the tech list is coming, so probably we're going to say, tentatively, we're going to do one on the third. We'll do mm-hmm. one in two weeks. But then we've got some personal obligations in between, so the next episode probably won't be for three weeks or so after that, Yep, I think. So well, there's one
2: early <laughs> April, <laughs> and one and then the next April. one, the earliest we can do is April 24th, yeah, given, given our schedules. Yes. 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 Okay. So there you go.
1: And that one will most likely be... Cursed City or Lumineth yeah, or whatever. Depending on what comes out. We know well, We know it'll be Lumineth for sure if Curse City doesn't come out. And even if that
2: happens, it'll be Lumineth and then Curse City. So It'll be something. It'll be something good. Yeah, there'll be plenty of time. All I right. hope. I think. Maybe. Or there'll be more shipping problems. <laughs> I don't know. And we'll do another one of these. Yeah,
1: they're coming in May. <laughs> God. All right, man. Well, thanks as always for making the time today and... And being here. Yeah, I appreciate no your opinions and comments. Listeners, thank you for joining us for another crazy episode. We hope you all are safe and healthy and we will see you next time around. Bye.
0: This is the end.